All right, welcome everyone to uh, Unsafe Spaces holiday random antics party thing. Uh, I'm Carter. I think Carrie is here, but let me make sure she can actually speak and that everything's working. So uh, there we go. Hopefully other people can pop in. There's Jason. Uh, Hello. There's Carrie. There's Marie Buskey, all the way from New Zealand. Oh, Beverly. Marie. Hi. <laughs> How are you? Dagger. Uh, you're, you're muted. I'm gonna I'm gonna forcibly unmute you, or maybe Ooh. I'll just say ask to unmute. There we go. Are we live? I don't know if I could. I think we're live. We're live. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I got a late start. Hello, Beverly. You look very festive. Hey, thanks. <laughs> You have red and green on too. Uh, I just got a package of chocolates from you, Marie, like five minutes ago. Thank you. Those hokey pokies, Carrie. I'm going to have to eat. Try the hokey pokies. I will. I was, uh, you know what? Something happened to me. Yeah, uh, my boyfriend made me this, well, he made this really healthy juice in the juicer. And I drank some of it last night and I got a really bad stomach ache, but I thought it must've been from something else. And then I drank some more of it about two hours ago and I was out for the count. I didn't know if I was going to make it. Something in that juice is not good for me. <laughs> Beets or something, but I'm here. I've recovered. Are you, are you dating Dwight? <laughs> Bears eat beets. Who's Dwight? Like Dwight Schrute. I don't get it. Oh, <laughs> Did you ever watch The Office? I watched The British Office. Oh, yeah. Well, you're one of those that. people. No, The British Office was great. I you know. know the, <laughs> but then you didn't watch both. <laughs> I, I like both. Yeah. So I know this so, is. So, um, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I know this no, is a party, I'm, but uh, did you guys see in the news today there's the lawsuit happening? I'm just going to talk about this one news thing. I promise. Um, it's, really? it's you're less frivolous than me right now. I'm, <laughs> I'm wanting to still curious wanting to talk about news. Right, only, Carrie, only because this is pretty exciting. And for anyone who has kids who are being forced to learn critical race theory and stuff in school, uh, Colin Wright, his um, handle on Twitter is Swipe Wright, W-R-I-G-H-T, and he did a multi-series tweet about a lawsuit that was filed today, or actually I think this is from yesterday, but I've read it today. A lawsuit filed today against educational agencies, teachers, principals, and the CEO responsible for hosting workshops requiring children to make public professions about their racial, sexual, gender, and religious identities, some of which were singled out for interrogation. And, and then he's got wow. um, screenshots of the lawsuit so you can read about it. You know, he might join later today. He said he may pop in to this. Oh, really? Oh, cool. So well. if he does, we can chat with him about it. Um, I did not see that. I did not see that. Uh, by the way, chat is, there's a lot of people in chat. Hey, oh. people in chat. Um, we Can we go around <laughs> and just do some introductions? Because uh, I think most people know you and me, Carrie. But yeah. Um, I don't know if the order is the same for everyone. But in my upper left is Beverly Christmas who is uh, <laughs> one of our moderators, and she's in a Santa hat. Wave, Beverly. Hello. <laughs> Beverly does all the clips and a bunch of other stuff for us. 
and uh, I hear she bakes great cookies, but I don't, you know, working on I'll it. judge them when I taste them. <laughs> yeah, we'll um, see. <laughs> yeah. And then, um, and then I have to my right in the middle, I have Jason, whose username you see is Chris. Uh, he's also a moderator. He's in DC. Wave, Jason. So you will know you. He does Twitter. <laughs> he's the social media. He does Twitter and Gab and some some tech stuff. And uh, whenever you're mad about Twitter, it's Jason's fault. Um, but whenever you're impressed, it's also Jason's fault. So I aim to please. Um, <laughs> And below Jason is Keith, the hat guy who um, does Facebook and MeWe and has started to write a little bit more on, on Medium uh, and obviously also a volunteer for us. He's in a dollar sign capitalism. I don't know what it is. Capitalism day hat. I don't know. Capitalism day. Yes. Happy capitalism. Yeah. And then <laughs> uh, in the, what are, is that a, is that antlers with antlers? Holly in them? Yeah. Yeah. There we go. They're a little bit. They were a little bit out of the shot for me. Is Marie Busky from New Zealand, and she is. Uh, she's been on the show talking about the knitting community SJW, Ruhaha in New Zealand. She runs Skeins Yarn. So, if you want to go get some non-woke yarn, you can go to Marie's store. And uh, yeah, that's that's introductions. And more people may, like I said, we may have people pop in and out. So, I just want to get that part out of the way. Carrie, you look like you're talking. Hello, everybody. Uh, yeah, she's muted. We've been trying to flag you. <laughs> we can't unmute ourselves. Oh, oh we, really? Hold on. Let me. Oh. Yeah. Is there not a allow? Oh, there's a setting allow participants to unmute themselves and it's unclicked. Sorry. That shouldn't happen anymore. Everyone should be able to unmute themselves. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to recommend we mute when we're not talking because otherwise this will get crazy. I was going to say, speaking of unwoke yarn, uh, you have a new hat on today. Mm -hmm. I do. Let me talk about the hat. This hat, uh, I don't know if I should say her real name, but her name is Perky Sue, is her, her pseudonym. And I've been, I, I, got, I, I know this is going to sound crazy. I've been wanting a Jane hat for a really, really, really long time. For those of you who've seen Firefly, uh, this is the hat that Jane Cobb wears. And... <laughs> Apparently, uh, it's actually kind of annoying for an, a real knitter to make this hat because she wrote me a little note about this. Apparently, there's a whole story about Jane Cobb's mom and how Jane Cobb, Cobb's mom like made the hat but didn't know how to knit. So there's all these mistakes that like a real knitter doesn't want to make and has to remember to do. So it's actually kind of hard to make the hat because you want all the mistakes correct. But she did. She made all the mistakes, and uh, she did a fantastic job. So I'm loving the hat. And uh, yeah, I even you can't really tell. I tried to give myself a goatee, but my facial hair wasn't long enough to make it visible. So um, I should do. I could take the glasses off. I could be a little bit more Jane, but I can't see if I do that. So anyway, thank you, Perky Sue. That was a great Christmas present. Um, and I don't know if I've sh shown. Judge Lot just gave us ten bucks. Thank you, Judge Lot. We can't actually put super chats on, but I'll read them if I see them come in. Um, he says, thank you for all the time and work that's put into this channel. It brought a lot of positivity into my life this year. Um, yeah, thank you, Judge. He also sent me, he sent me a cool knife. With, oh, this wow. Is a cam camel blade, or sorry, camel bone uh, uh, handle and a Damascus steel blade. It's super cool knife so cool. that he sent me. So, yeah, 
I'm I'm like it's 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 Christmas. It's awesome. Wow. I'm in a good, and I'm drinking eggnog that I made myself. Homemade eggnog is way better than store-bought eggnog. So if you've never done that, go do that. Can you That's drink my eggnog like a virgin eggnog? What would be in it? I did. Oh. Oh yeah. Oh, well, my my daughter has some now. Yeah. You just I don't. In fact, we only put a very little bit of alcohol in this because it lasts longer. It kills salmonella. So it can stay in the fridge for longer if you put a little bit of alcohol in it. But if you don't want alcohol, I think you just have to drink it within like a or day. If or, you want so. or if you want salmonella. Or if you want salmonella. You don't want that. I'm not judging. <laughs> yeah. Marie. <laughs> you might want salmonella. Uh, hey. Hi. I was hi. wondering, if, uh, can you tell us about, because you're in New Zealand, first of all, what time is it there? Uh, it is 1.13 p.m. Christmas Eve. Yeah. Christmas Eve. Happy Ooh. Christmas Eve. But don't you guys celebrate Christmas for like a long time? Isn't it a big deal in New Zealand? Yeah, well, because this is the middle of our summer holidays here. So we have, um, so New Zealand sort of kind of shuts down almost from about now until about a lot of businesses don't go back until about the second week in January so wow. yeah so it's like a huge holiday time everyone goes to the beach and yeah it's it's great and when we're working I mean I'm actually at the store today so we're all working mind you in saying that though we're having a, a Christmas curry so everyone all the staff are actually down the back eating curry right now oh, uh, nice <laughs> Christmas Wait, curry it, are there like uh I'm dreaming of a sunny Christmas or like the equivalents like, are there, like, summer no, songs that are no, about Christmas? No, there are a few um, Christmas carols, and there's been a few what we call Kiwi Down Under parody carols that we do because okay. it's summer. But it's, yeah, I have to admit, I'm dreaming of a white Christmas generally means white sands for us, not white snows. So, it's yeah, uh, yeah it's, it's quite different. But it's just as racist, I'm sure, so. <laughs> yeah. We, um, I spent Christmas in Hawaii for a couple of years and they have, uh, one year I got to help with Santa and obviously it's feels yeah. like summer there. Um, but they would take like in the little town I was staying in, they would take Santa in a canoe and he was wearing swim trunks yeah. from the waist down, but then Santa from the waist up. And then I got to be one of the elves that rode him. Like we basically took the canoe and we, we paddled him. Uh, to another beach to where all these kids were waiting at this hotel it was awesome but that yeah. was I've had I've had a couple of sunny Christmases like that and they're pretty cool yeah center is definitely a certain center in this part of the world that's for sure and it is and it's and it's fun for kids too like because on Christmas day they get run around and um yeah and it's awesome and I had a white Christmas the Christmas of 89 um I was in living in Ohio at the time. And so I was so excited because I had to get this reverse to have this white Christmas. And then I realized that, you know, looking at it is great. Actually feeling it and living through it is a whole different thing. So <laughs> totally different. yeah, I have to admit, I like the summer Christmas. It's so nice to be able to be out. Like we barbecue, you know, I mean, I'm doing turkey tomorrow um, on the barbecue. Oh, wow. wow very nice it probably depends on your age because if you're a kid the white That's christmas crazy. you don't have to deal with anything but you make snow forts and yeah whatever right it's the parents who don't want the snow yeah but yeah no it's fun it's really fun judge lot says it's time to settle this once and for all there are only two genders metallica and the rest of us 
So <laughs> <laughs> we know where he stands. <laughs> we know where he stands. Oh, and Alan Tomsky says uh, Carter is the is Defo the guitarist from the Red Hot Chili Peppers in that hat. I th- you mean Flea? Wasn't that his name? Wasn't, wasn't Flea the guy from Red Hot Chili Peppers? Uh, I don't no know. Yeah, he's the one with the hit. Yeah, I'm the um, only Gen Xer here. Well, this is not a super chat, but Alan Conrad says, I love Marie. I, I love Marie, too. Marie's awesome. Marie is like our personal Mrs. I won't say Santa Claus because there are there are two genders and we know which one you are. Our personal Mrs. Claus. She sends chocolates to me. I, like she'll, I'll say that I'm out of chocolates and Marie just she mails chocolates from New Zealand. And yeah, pretty it. awesome. And it's a way to sort of bribe you for for good language because I do a podcast for, for my knitting store and I just know how hard it is when you like to use colorful language in your personal life not to use it and you I know you're pretty good you're you're the super chat things make me aware of it at least because I wouldn't notice if someone didn't point them out when I swore so it's good yeah so uh for this holiday extravaganza and I hope I undersold it well enough <laughs> now that now that you're watching you can... <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh we are going to have some musical performances later oh yeah uh we're gonna have can i say one of the people on here right now is gonna do a song i was gonna say us. keith you better speak up and and give us some musical oh. performances is he muted he is i'm not i was muted okay. i uh I was setting up. I um, just so some people here know, but I just moved like last week. So mm-hmm. I I just that's why I was late. I was setting up the mixer, and I got a problem with the mic and the guitar. So I'm gonna have to play through the cell phone plugs. But I wrote a song. <laughs> that's right. I wrote it's a, a song. It's a funny song, movie. isn't it? Oh, did you see it? No, I heard from Carter. It's a funny song, it's which funny. I think it's published yeah. on Medium now. It's I on our Medium on, page. Now. It's on the Unsafe Space Medium page. It was published today. Okay. Oh. And then, uh, and then, yeah, Chris Jones says, OMG, Mr. Garcia. Yes. Also, my fella is going to do a song later from a show, from a live show that he's doing. He's going to try and zoom in. Cool. So that'll be fun, too. I One point, Carrie, just uh, I don't want to follow him. OK. OK. <laughs> <laughs> we'll make sure you go first. <laughs> well, I don't want to follow either I'll, of you. I'll <laughs> I never I was, actually uh, sang this song until today, so <laughs> I nice. wrote the lyrics. Yeah, but we all know the tune, so yeah, like, everybody can sing. We'll be able to tease out, yeah. And you can you can show the lyrics, right, Carter? Uh, that's a good question. Show. Let me. I'll. I'm gonna. I'm gonna mute myself for a minute and see if I can figure out how to show the. <laughs> okay, go ahead, Carrie. Oh, I was just. I was just saying. You don't want to. I can't follow either of you. I don't play anything. I did in high school. I played uh, clarinet and trombone in the marching band. Well, mostly I played clarinet. And then my last year or year and a half, I switched to trombone because I wanted to try something different. Um, but I haven't picked up. And then I played it one year in college and quit. And I haven't picked it up in over 20 years. I don't think I could do anything with it. Uh, can, you, so, can you sing? No. <laughs> but I love to oh, sing. Okay, yeah. that, was, that was clear. Same. <laughs> Well, this you, you won't have to reveal anything because you know you can't play across Zoom. I, I tried. We tried several apps. The latency is too high. So if I yeah, play, play guitar together. and you sing, you're gonna have to mute yourself. 
Everybody okay. has to mute if they try to sing along because there's going to be all different latencies and it'll just. <laughs> well, let's do it anyway. Let's see what happens. Cacophony. <laughs> Cacophony, yeah. That's a better word than the one I was going to use. The one I was going to use is cluster, and then I stopped. Because <laughs> <laughs> Marie, I don't want Marie up to the super chat. I only dabble in these other instruments. Piano is my main one, but I, I vaguely yeah. remember others. I can do my guitar. So hats off to all of you that do. <laughs> um, and and, and I'm, I'm a good, I play guitar oh, and wow. bass and mandolin, and I only sing when I have to, like at open mics and maybe like a couple songs to open. But yeah, I played for two hours today rehearsing for a gig on Sunday with, with a singer, Ju Juliet. Actually, she's the one who came up with the hat guy. So for those who know me as the hat guy, in chat, that's actually just my stage name for music. I'm in nice. a, it's a duo called Juliet and the Hat Guy is where that comes from. And everybody remembers Juliet. That's an easy name. And you see her, you can remember her. Nobody could ever remember me. So we tried doing Juliet and Keith and then Juliet and then that guy. And then I the always wore a hat. Works. I always wore a hat. So people just say, you know, that guy, that guy with the hat, like Juliet and that guy with the hat. That's how that got started. <laughs> so are we going to read this thing that uh, Beverly sent all of us, uh, Titania McGrath? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Harder stepped away. So yeah, go I'm ahead. Just gonna take the I didn't even read, read through it all. Yeah. Okay. So anybody who's not following Titania McGrath on Twitter, you're really missing out. And she is a wonderful woke creation uh, of a comedian named, is it Andrew Doyle who does her? Yes. Andrew Doyle. Okay. So this is a thread she did as Titania. She says, important thread. Many people scoff at my progressive ideas and predictions, but eventually they always come true. So I thought I'd start compiling a list of every time I was ahead of the curve. Okay, Titania's predictions, part one. On December 22nd, 2018, I called for biological sex to be removed from birth certificates. On December 17th, 2020, the New England Journal of Medicine concurred. <laughs> I don't know if you guys saw this, but this has actually happened. The New England Journal of Medicine, they tweeted this last week. They said, sex designations on birth certificates offer no clinical utility and they can be harmful for intersex and transgender people. Moving such designations below the line of demarcation would not compromise the birth certificate's public health function, but could avoid harm. That's the New England Journal of Medicine. Anybody? Nobody? Nobody with comments? It's absolutely crazy. <laughs> All of it. Are you drinking? I, I love that thread. That thread is awesome. <laughs> yeah. The thread of hers is great. Yeah. Well, it's, it's just Pepsi on the rocks. <laughs> Pepsi on the rocks, have another. It's just a list of things that that she said that seemed absurd at the time. I mean, that was only a two year, uh, you know, gap in time between when she called for biological sex to be removed from birth certificates and when the New England Journal of Medicine basically said, we agree. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to read all these. I'll just read one or two more. Okay, part two. She says, on October 1st, 2019, I suggested that young women should be encouraged to travel alone in rural Pakistan. On October 12, 2019, Forbes magazine concurred. And here's an article that Forbes ran. I don't know if you can see that. Ah, is it blurry? 
Anyway, it yeah. says why why Pakistan should be on every solo female traveler's bucket list. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of bad stories that have happened that way. It, it will be on the bucket list, that's for sure. <laughs> There's a dark, dark humor there somewhere. Uh, yeah, I think she should add, put that last on your bucket list. <laughs> oh my gosh. Mm. Okay, last one I'm going to read because this involves Mary... Mary Poppins, which is sort of Christmassy, sort of. On September 19th, 2018, I criticized Julie Andrews, aka Mary Poppins, for chimney soot blackface. On January 28th, 2019, the New York Times concurred. <laughs> and then it's the New York Times headline, Mary Poppins and a nanny's shameful flirting with blackface. I don't know if you guys remember that. Anyway, this is, yeah. an, <laughs> if you haven't read this whole thread, you should go check it out because it's kind of insane how many predictions she made that came true the woke people delivered right i feel like titanium mcgrath and the babylon b are trying to duke it out for best profit <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, it took me a minute you mean p-r-o-p-h-e-t for yes. a minute i was like oh, and oh, oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> it took me a moment you're um, telling the future i had to go get more eggnog by the way, Tax Terror says Marie mails her yarn from New Zealand. <laughs> mm -hmm. So Marie's just nice to everyone. She's mailing stuff all over the place. Pirate Tomsky's asking us if we could tell us tell, tell us a little bit about how you guys arrange the shows each week. I don't even know how to answer that question. So so Carrie really wants to. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, well, like in terms of booking people, we just re reach out to people and... Uh, you know, a lot of the people I've reached out to on Twitter and they've said yes, or they are people who've had me on their show. And then later I'll ask them to come on ours. Um, and then sometimes uh, it's a uh, Chris booked Pel uh, Mark Pellegrino. Mark and there's just been some random cold reach outs like that, that have come through, which has been cool. And a lot of times it's you guys in the chat suggesting people for us or, um, going to other channels and telling them about us. I think that's why I ended up on uh, with the Nerdrotic crew, those fun guys, because <laughs> uh, there was some overlap in our audience. And then in terms of Kefefe, I mean, let me tell you something. Carter is uh, the yen to my yang. Now, I won't say <clears throat> he's the most disciplined person. And I will say that because we had a conversation recently. Not. He's not. Yeah. He, he's actually kind of like me and having to train himself to be more disciplined, but he's done a great job of it over the years. Um, but in that sort of training for discipline. That's how was, she says that I'm old, by the way. Very nice. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> there was a, there was a time when it, we were, we didn't have any help. There were no people helping us. There was no Beverly or Jason or Keith. And uh, we were doing them daily, the, the, the Kefefis. And I was also working a crazy work schedule then. And uh, it's kind of amazing for me to think back to all those that we were doing because, uh, you know, I would literally just leave here and go straight to work. And we were doing those. Sometimes we were planning. We were planning out the topics in advance. And um, yeah. here's the funny thing, though. Carter, at one point, he was like, when things started to pick up and he's he said you know i really see this becoming a bigger thing at some point it would be great if we could have launch more than just a podcast but have a 
kind of a network with other hosts and things, eventually other kinds of shows, which is still the goal. And so we started doing meetings. And do you remember this, Carter? We did, we had a meeting a day and each meeting <laughs> was all in a calendar. And, and it was going to be like, today's the sales meeting and the tomorrow's the PR meeting and the next day's the advertising oh, yeah. meeting. I had to figure out that wasn't is, your way. No. I don't think that's anyone's <laughs> way. No one wants that, Carter. Well, no. So you have to understand my background is in tech startups and like they move quickly and they like tackle all those issues on a regular basis. And because Carrie and I were not physically in the same location, I really wanted to make sure that I was like talking to her every day. And so True. it was like, it, I didn't really care what the meeting was about. I just wanted to like touch bases with her. But I think we've, we've kind of like, we're at a happy medium now where we like for Kofefi, we meet the day before the evening before and we kind of say what we might talk about, but we've learned that if we talk too much about the thing that we want to talk about, it ruins the dynamic of Kofefi the next day because we've already had the conversation. So we just kind of like throw out a few, maybe this, maybe that, and like that's it, and then we're done. Um, yeah, we've only been doing those though for a while. I don't know. Not, not too long. Yeah, yeah. and... Uh, yeah, we eventually, even the meeting a day thing didn't work for Carter either, because we we eventually, we both had it on our calendars, and we were doing it pretty diligently for a while, and then after a while, we quit showing up, and finally, we're like, oh, neither of us are showing up for these meetings. <laughs> yeah, I like what we have now. We have a once-a-week team meeting now, and then I meet with everyone individually once a week, short meetings. And that's about as much meeting as I want. Alan Conrad says, you know, if a business is having a bunch of meetings, not much money's being made. Yeah, we were not making any money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know if not much is the right. There was zero money being made. Yeah, <laughs> but we had a passion. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, here's a super chat from Pirate Tomsky. He says, I read a letter today from UK doctors to the BBC opposing a, a factually incorrect article saying, quote, sex at birth isn't assigned, it's observed. Boom. Ooh. <laughs> wow. Nice. Uh, and then Angie Hoffman, I hope I didn't miss any. Angie Hoffman gave Ooh. us a super chat and said, although I was assigned the millennial generation at birth, my inner sense doesn't align with that label. I will now be identifying as Gen X. Welcome. <laughs> Angie to Gen X. We're glad to have you. Oh. Is everyone here Gen X? You guess guys who just aren't. showed up. Who? James Lindsay just showed up. Really? Get him to yeah. Hello, right now, James. he's just going to show us his face. But if I can get him to unmute, he'll speak. Maybe he just wants to be mysterious and be like, I'm not that mysterious. Hi, Mr. James Lindsay. Terrifying. Nice Hello. <laughs> what have you been uh, up yeah. to? You look like you're. What have You're you been up cave. to this year? I was gonna I'm ask. not in a cave. I have uh, sound absorbing stuff on my wall behind me, and I haven't figured out how to decorate yet. You're fancy, basically. Oh. <laughs> got to get rainbow, like I do. Yeah, I got it. That would have been a good idea because <laughs> I look like I'm in a cave. So somebody uh, else called it a spaceship, guys. So let's call it a spaceship. <laughs> I think it's a good look. Yeah, I think so too. I'm. You got a James. dark hoodie on the whole thing. <laughs> Just a well, welcome. What is? Are we? Uh, do you have? Is twenty twenty one going to be? We're going to be devoid of SJWs. It's all over now. 
Oh, it's going to be way worse. Yeah. Damn it. Thanks for bringing us down. But I think we all know <laughs> that. We all know that, though. Like, things are just going to get a little crazy. I know. I was, I was just putting him on the spot so he could bring us down. And now, now we can blame James and not me. When... Well, I was going to ask you, though. Seriously, what has your year been like? I'm, I'm shocked you were able to join us tonight because you're so busy. All the, And I see you battling people online. And lately, I've seen you using a lot more uh, uh, wit, which I really appreciate. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm trying to be funny again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah uh, well, it's, it's a festivus for the rest of us. So I could find some time. No, I've been working actually for the last couple of days on this like super hard essay that I'm actually really excited about. So I'm in like exciting writing mania right now uh but i thought i'd stop by and say hey anyway my year has been insane actually the first quarter was like just normal hard busy and then the second quarter was vigorous hard busy and then ever since then it's just been insane just unmanageable yeah uh, kind of a nightmare really but i just you got back from west palm beach yesterday and that was all right yeah do you have people How helping you, you out now? Do you have minions? Yeah, same question. I have a couple of minions, <laughs> but not very many minions. Um, so not a lot of help. And uh, that made me forget Carrie's question. Oh, I was the same just... question, but worded better. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. No, I have a little bit of help. Uh, I, I don't actually do, other than my own Twitter, I don't do a whole lot of my own social media anymore. And um, I don't have to post anything on my on WordPress. I just write things and send it to somebody who handles all of the web stuff. So that's good. But we're trying to um, plan sometime in the next quarter to start getting more help to become more uh, more effective at some of the things that we're trying to do. I also have actually some people who help, like if I have travel or invitations or I've been doing a little consulting if I do consulting, they all organize that for me and I just have to show up and do it. And so that helps a lot because all of going back and forth and haggling about that stuff sucks. Um, so. Do you have, before I forget, somebody on our episode a couple of days ago asked if we knew and we didn't know offhand on your website, new discourses, do you have a template for people who are uh, uh, going to try and opt out of anti-bias training, diversity, inclusion, equity training at their workplace? No, not exactly. I do have some template letters people can send. I keep getting asked for different types of template things to write. Um, and I probably should write them. I also keep getting asked to write these kind of like very basic things like what is critical race theory? Yeah. And then I was going to, I kind of talked myself into trying to do some of that coming up soon. And then, uh, I don't actually know what kinds of templates people need. So it'd be good if I got a list of those, but then I got on my flight home yesterday, I got hit with this idea and now I'm just like utterly possessed with it. So everything's got to wait. I'm excited about something. Oh, good. So, yeah. Uh, I think we but, need more uh, comedy in the new year, like poking fun at this stuff. We had time. a, yeah, uh, I heard Benjamin Boyce is is talked about doing a Evergreen the musical, and <laughs> which makes me laugh just the idea what? of it. Yes, <laughs> like just sort of frivolity, awesome. right? And then, oh, uh, gosh, I'll help write that. That sounds amazing. Yeah, 
And there are a, a lot of, in the past, I would say maybe three to four months, we've been talking to more, it seems like there's more creative people who are getting over their fear and are starting to speak up like actors and musicians and stuff and uh, who are starting to network with each other. So even though wokeness won't be dead next year, I am pretty excited to see what people start doing. Cause I think the sense of humor thing is really, I think it's the key, it's a key. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. Actually, the comedians and the artists, you know, you can see comedy as an art. Uh, they will be what tears the thing apart and changes everything. And it's dorks like me that just have to like give them a runway to take off from. Uh, so that's that's big. It's I mean, it's not why I'm trying to be, you know, use more wit, but I'm actually just I'm more I have more fun when I use more wit the serious stuff is just not that good. Um, but this thing I'm writing right now is very not witty. Sorry. It's very, it's like the heaviest thing ever. Um, it's very difficult. Oh, well, good luck with it, sir. Oh, they're going to be pissed. It'll get lots of attention probably, even though it's hard to read. Um, is it an academic piece or is it meant for me? I mean, yeah, it, it's it's a it has three kind of specifically academic sounding concepts, and that's a lot for a single piece. Um, so it'll hit heavy, uh, and it's kind of a dense read. It's probably something I should expand to three or four times its length, but it's already long, so we're not going to do that. Uh, but it's sort of like it's how it works. It's how all of it works. Um, the whole thing. I've figured out how it all works. So. It's got to get out there in this form first, and then we can start riffing off of that that foundation. Um, so it's pretty yeah. cool. But no, it's it's. I mean, it, it involves words with you know lesser known Greek prefixes. So that's that's a bad sign for popularity. <laughs> I think speaking of lesser known Greek prefixes, are are the do you see any change in the kind of intellectual elites in, in universities? Is there, are things getting better or worse for professors? Are we going to see more people getting kicked out or are there going to be a little bit more? I don't know. I see both. Um, I, I'm not actually sure. Um, so here's like a piece of good news. It may even be available online. I haven't looked to see yet. Helen and Peter and I actually just had a paper accepted. Not a fake one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> wow. A real with your one. real names and everything. With our real names. It is actually about our project. Um, it's technically a response piece to a paper somebody else wrote about our project. And uh, we were invited to write a response after a little bit of cajoling. And so they accepted that response. And it may be published in a sociology journal. So um, that's exciting. And that shows that there's some willingness within academia to listen, which is a hopeful sign. Now, the guy we responded to who criticized our work in the first place has decided that the best thing for him to do with his time would be to write a book criticizing the grievance studies affair oh, methodologically, wow. which I mean, what a doofus, but um, <laughs> that aside, uh, that aside, you know, it does show that a dialogue around the thing rather than head in the sand might be starting to emerge. I hear from professors who say simultaneously that it's better and that it's worse, which is, you know, it depends on which domain, you know, everybody's having to sign these statements that are very concerning. The, the offices of diversity are getting out of control. 
but at the same time, they also feel personally like they, like the conversations are happening amongst one another. You have people like Jody Shaw standing up all of a sudden at Smith college and people are starting to pay attention. And I think we're going to start to see, I think the cracks in the dam are going to start letting water through in the coming year. If you follow me. Yeah. I love, I love yeah. my metaphors. I have a. I mean, it's always nice when they like when the masks slip when when I when they get when they feel like they're close to the finish line and they start saying the most egregious things. I think maybe that that's enough to sh wake some people up and, and realize like oh <laughs> like that so guy straight up and... saying that we have to kill white people to level the playing field by not giving <laughs> right. like not giving the yeah with the well yeah he didn't directly say we have to kill them we have to let them die my mistake um, to level <laughs> the difference. playing field yeah. yeah. Hey, we yeah. have some questions well, for you in chat. Uh, uh, I can so, open the chat. Let's yeah, see. so let's see. So somebody says, where can they contact you or where can they look or apply if they want to help you? Uh, the applying question's a good one um, because I sort of just shy away from dealing with that because I opened up the door over the summer and it like just turned into like a bajillion projects yeah. I had to babysit and then it took all my time and I had no time for myself. So it was like, I was grateful for the help, but it kind of like screwed me over. So I'm a little unsure what to do with that right now. Um, but they can contact me at, uh, well, my DMS are open on Twitter. I just don't okay. tend to, I just don't tend to answer them if I, if they're not something compelling, uh, if they are compelling, I will often answer them. See, I used to make the mistake there of answering most people and then, a lot of people become my new best friend after I do that. And I don't mean to sound rude, but I can't get rid of them. And I don't have time for the like literally 1000 direct messages a day I receive already. No, I understand. And I don't even have the level of uh, mess the number of messages you're getting, but I have trouble keeping up with them right now. I and mean, I, I, I feel bad about it, but uh, it's also just a, it's not humanly possible. I would assume for you, it's not humanly possible to read all of them anyway. And I think most people are understanding well, I haven't had anybody except for the occasional weirdo complain about it. They, they do seem <laughs> to understand, but the, the volume that I get is just out of control. So that is a possibility. If they want to reach out kind of more directly, I, I mean, my email address, since this, I guess, is fairly, maybe it's on YouTube and everybody will find it later. That's fine. My email address is not hard to figure out. It used to be on my Twitter it's profile. It's on YouTube, though, before you say anything, like it is on YouTube, so. Yeah, so... I mean, you can always reach out if you have a really good bid to the sub. The, there, there is a contact form on the new discourses website, and I do get some of those. Those are filtered, so you're going to have to get through my filter team to get it to me. But if you do that, you might get one to me, uh, and then I'll probably respond if it gets sent to me. It's usually important, so that would be something you could try to do. Uh, here's another one. Kent asks, James, did you know how perfect Helen's voice would be for the audiobook? That's why she read it. Yeah, that's I we she really wanted either me to read it or us to split the chapters. And I was like, no, you definitely need to be <laughs> the one to read this. Um, and she was she's all self-conscious because she's Essex. And in Essex, you know, in, in England, an Essex accent is kind of like a valley girl or something. And so she was like, no, Brits will not like my accent. I was like, well, no one cares about Brits. So just do it. And I didn't really say that, but, um, 
Americans love it and Canadians will love it and Aussies will love it. So get to it, Helen. And, um, we got her doing it and yeah, it's, it's great. Especially where she says big black butts at the end of chapter three. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we are, uh, well, as you know, we're doing your book next. We just finished, uh, have you ever read the moon is a harsh mistress by Robert Heinlein? Um, No, no, I have not. I, I've not read nearly as much literature as I should have read. I think you would really enjoy it. It's one of Carter's favorite books. I had never read it. It was great. Um, so we try and a fun we, little science fiction. Reader. Yeah, we put fiction in between the nonfiction so people will stick around for both. Right. Um, but yeah, we're doing your book next, which we're excited about. Fun. Yeah, I'll um, probably show up for that too. Do you have any uh, holiday traditions since it's, this is a... Yeah. Well, it's I an abnormal it's year. I will just dis- normally today would suck. And I would, I will tell you today is the beginning of the suck. Um, normally the holiday tradition, my brother has a Festivus party every year now, not this year. Um, and so normally we go to that and it's sort of like the kind of hipster people who would go to a Festivus party. So it's not all that fun for us. And they don't, I don't think they like us. Um, I'm sure I would be persona non grata now. Uh, they're, they're libtards. I can't help it. Um, but so normally we go into this Christmas or Festivus party tonight. And then tomorrow being Christmas Eve, we would go to my mom's and drink all afternoon and evening and have a nice meal and, carry on and spend time together you know a bunch of the family maybe some friends will stop by whatever and mostly it's about drinking and watching movies and then we will repeat (laughs) that all day on on christmas day except my brother normally gets too hammered at his festivus party and has a hangover for the entire next two days and doesn't really keep up and is just sleeping on the floor and stuff so none of that's happening this year so this year, my brother is absolutely paralyzed with fear about COVID. Um, my mom may have been exposed at work this week. So she's just hiding out and laying low. And um, I just got back from West Palm at Turning Point Conference. And there were like 5,000 people that don't believe that the virus exists there more or less. And so better to kind of lay low for me too just in case so we're not doing anything (laughs) oh (laughs) i'll probably drink um as well but i'm geeked about my essay so i'll probably work on my essay actually uh good christmas long read i could put out like this is how they're screwing us all but i'm so excited about it well good but it's unfortunately six thousand five hundred words long like everything i write so we're already at problems. <laughs> yeah, that's long. It's that's long. it's so I like I look at six thousand word essays now and I'm like not long, unless yeah. it's somebody else's and then I don't want to read it. Um, <laughs> but no, I get a lot actually on like new discourses. People submit and they're like eight thousand words. So it's like I'm used to the long like long form writing. Nobody's doing that really. I mean. It's kind of this thing that fell apart. Like, you know, podcasts are like long form and people love it because it allows you to do something different. Mm-hmm. Well, we've been in this trap for a while where everything written has either been a book or like a 700 word op-ed. 
And there's a lot of room in between those. Like there used to be lots of things that were like pamphlet length. I guess a pamphlet is technically thereabouts 30,000 words. Um, there used to be long essays. I read one the other day. Um, I don't know. It's 84 pages or something total. So it's longer than like on Liberty is technically considered, you know, by John Stuart Mill is technically considered an essay. If you look at it as a book, it's really short. If you look at it as an essay, it's really long. Like that whole space where you can properly develop an argument without having to write a whole friggin' book has like nobody would publish it for, for a very long time. Publisher book publishers don't like to carry them because they don't sell well because they're short and people are like, what is this thing? The only people who produce them in large quantities are Christians because they typically have their own publishers and they do their kind of own in-house thing with churches. And, you know, they, well, I mean, the, the saying is Christians read. And so, you know, these theologians and pastors and so on will publish pamphlet length and, and long essay length and stuff in between all the time, but nobody else does. And so, you know, I try to let that happen. People ask me if they write for new discourses or like, how long should it be? And I'm like, long enough to get the job done without being superfluous. And for this essay, it looks like that's going to be 6,000 to 7,000 words for me. But there are essays on there that I may or may not have written that are 30,000, 35,000 words. Um, there are essays on there that are 10,000 words that I know I didn't write. There are essays on there that are 700 or 800 words too, but it's that space. It's like the long form. I know nobody wants to read like that, but it's the long form version in writing of what, what doesn't exist between books and articles. Uh, you know, sometimes places will drop a 2000 word article. The problem is, is poor people open these damn things on their phone and they don't know what they're getting into. They don't know. <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up though, because I feel like I, I similarly am, have been frustrated at the like recommendation of six or 700 words. And it's, there's so much context nowadays. If you're talking about anything remotely complex that you can't set up, you can't set anything up and make any kind of cogent argument for, for anything interesting in that few words usually no and that's that's the thing so much context so this is i was actually i just had mike nana and i were just tweeting back and forth with each other about it on twitter right before i jumped on here and that like twitter is this, so there's this rule in content creation which is kind of like the rule of context or the self-contained rule whatever you put out has to be self-contained or else people won't get it. And one of my contentions is the reason that social media drives us so far off the rails is that everything's out of context. Every single tweet yeah. is almost by nature by out of context. And it's a possibility, you know, if somebody cuts the perfect joke, you know, you can have, it's probably less than 10% of tweets are self-contained in context. And so the vast majority of them have context that's not present and people who don't have that context go berserk. And so it's a virtual recipe for creating things that, that bubble over and spiral out of control and are misunderstood and mischaracterized and people get all pissed off about it. And then at the op-ed length, 600 to 800 words, you have the same problem. Like you can't, you can't say anything at that length. And for me, you know, 2,000 words is kind of a solid minimum for a basic argument about a single point. Um, and if you want more complexity, it's going to run three to five to 7,000 words probably. It, and it sucks because nobody wants to read and reading is kind of dead. But for I'm trying to like figure out what to do about that. And I think my strategy is going to be to put the essay out 
and then just do a podcast about the essay. And so then the people who want to listen long form instead can do that. I did that with the two plus two equals five thing. Um, I did both and they weren't, it worked really well. So maybe that's what I'll do with this one. James, I, uh, I wanted to introduce you to two of the people in the chat or on camera with us. Um, one is Marie Buskey and the other is Little Ragamuffin. And they're both people we've gotten to interview in the past that um, they're small business owners who mm -hmm. were attacked by the woke mob. I don't know if either of them knew what woke ideology was when it first yes. happened to them. And both of them survived. Uh, neither of them did the apologies. Uh, Little Ragamuffin is a sewist and she runs her own uh, pattern shop for clothing designers. And then um, uh, uh, Marie Buskey owns Skeins Yarns in New Zealand. No, oh, cool. Well, I know that I've spoken with Little Ragamuffin on on uh, Instagram. Instagram. Yeah. yeah, primarily. Oh, nice. So I've helped yeah. her be as, as as subversive as I had time to help her be. Uh, He's like, I'm too busy. I got stuff to do. Get away from me, lady. <laughs> I think I did not say that. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, well, I'm glad you guys met. I think both of these women are heroes. And the reason I bring them up is because Somebody, Pirate Tomsky asks in chat, what's the one thing, James, that you think non-woke people can do to help stop the progression of this ideology? Um, tell the truth. It is, it's when you feel yourself being, I mean, this is literally the, the solution that I arrived at by, by this, in this essay that I'm just rambling about, um, which I think is literally like the 50,000 foot map of the entire battlefield. It the the conclusion is that you have to not participate in the lie. Uh, I really encourage people who know what I'm talking about or who can find it. Um, it's floating around Twitter in the last day or two. Uh, the the so-called character Doctor Roller Gator got banned from Twitter, and he has this essay that he wrote on his Substack, which is like Doctor Roller Gator at Substack.com or however it's organized. I think it's the only essay on there actually where he explains how he, ref he he's still banned from Twitter because he refuses to acquiesce to admitting that, that he broke the Twitter rules. And that's what you have to do. You have to refuse to play, whether it's, you know, about being on Twitter or social media or not, social media censorship is its own issue. It's, you should read this to understand the social media censorship issue. But this is generally it. And this is actually, from what I can tell, what our friend and little ragamuffin has done extremely well is refused to play with the lie she's refused to go along with the distortion and then if i if i remember correctly you created an entire pattern based on like giving him the finger in a sense which was yeah. awesome yeah the problematic collection the problematic collection that's right and so um yeah that was great uh so that's the thing though is if you don't have the knowledge base and you don't have so if you know, you have you have to apply your knowledge. If you don't know, you should start learning. You have to understand the ideology. You have to know how to look at it. And you also have to know how to be subversive against it because it has power. So you have to subvert. Um, but the one thing everybody can do is to the maximum degree your life will allow is refuse to participate in a lie. If you know it's a manipulation, if you know it's a distortion, refuse to participate in it. Don't apologize to a mob that's participating in the lie. Don't acknowledge the distortion and, you know, and like in the case of roller gators thing, it's like they're 
basically forcing him to delete a tweet where he didn't violate the rules, which at the point where he deletes it, that means he's confessing that he mm -hmm. violated the rules, even though he didn't don't participate in a lie. And um, that genuinely is one of the most important things. If you read Solzhenitsyn, that's actually what he says. He says a single person telling the truth, refusing to go along mm -hmm. can take down a regime. And so it's when you have that, it takes courage in a lot of situations, but when you have that pressure put upon you, whether it's with your small business as we have here, or whether it's um, at your job or whether it's on social media or whatever it happens to be, is to not go along with the lie. I'll give you an example for myself. I took the hit. I dealt with it. I tweeted quite viciously about a Southern Baptist woman, Beth Moore recently. And what I said is true, except that I made a mistake. Turns out there's another Southern Baptist named Russell Moore. There are a lot of Moors in the Southern Baptist Convention. It's like the Southern Inbred Convention. No, I didn't say that. They're great people. I'm kidding. There are a lot of Moors over there. And so it turns out that Beth and Russell Moore are not married. But I, as many, pe many people apparently think that they are married. Well, they're not married. Beth Moore is married to some guy named Keith Moore, who's a different Moore entirely than, than Russell Moore. But I insinuated something about Beth Moore's husband thinking Russell that is true and not true probably of Keith. And so the Southern Baptist obfuscation squad came out of the woodwork and went berserk on me. And technically I owed Beth Moore's husband and Beth, frankly, an apology and they didn't get one. And so I took the hit of because I refused to participate in a mob demand for an apology. And I did not delete the tweet. I did not, I, I admitted the error because yeah. I, I made the error. I did not delete the tweet and I didn't apologize to anybody because I was being demanded to do so. And so I would rather take the fact that I discredited myself through the mistake and let them have that and take the L as they say, um, than participate in the struggle session. Yeah. And you have to do that. And it's, it's, it sucks. I should have, I mean, I have the integrity to apologize. I have the integrity, but in the environment, you can't do that. It's not the greatest example. Cause it's like being a dickhead, but um, the truth is you cannot participate in it's in like the rituals, the lie, the whole thing um, in the essay for our Greek prefixes, you can't, you can't participate in the paralogical system or the paramoral system that they, that they lay out. You have to stay within the regular logical and moral systems. So that's where I confessed to my Twitter following and told people who came after me, I've already admitted the mistake. That's as far as I will go. It's that's so important. It, it's so important. Like I, I made a decision at the beginning of the year, not to live in fear you know, not to make decisions based around fear. And since I've done that, and as I call it with Gary, you know, came out and said, no, this I'm not going to deal with this anymore. And you move forward. It, the freedom that you yeah. have, I mean, you have through a lot of crap first, and, and it's actually really hard on your friends and your family because they see these pylons and they feel bad and they want to do something, they want to reach out. And it's like, no, I just don't, give into the noise because that's all it is it's noise that's right and if you keep moving forward um we've come out the other side now and our business is so much stronger i'm stronger the around us are stronger and change is beginning to happen because Excellent. somebody has stood up yeah yeah it should be everybody's new year's resolution this year going into the not that positive 2021 that we have ahead of us is to to, to not make decisions based in fear 
Um, don't participate in the lie. Don't, don't live based on fear. Don't worry about upsetting people because for like what I'm learning right now is for every person I make mad, I make three people happy. So it's like the, the odds work out. And the more people who realize that, that it's like, you're afraid to upset the people, you know, without realizing how many people you don't know yet, um, who you are, are standing up on the side of. And it's not as good, of course, to make new friends, but it, it's like Brett Weinstein said one time, if you think of this kind of thing as, as a very severe, this kind of ideology or ideo- ideological capture or possession as, as a kind of disease or a virus, he said, it's like, if your dog gets rabies, you have to realize it ain't your dog anymore. And it's not good for you. It's not good for the dog to not, in that case, we're not talking about people here, but in, in this hypothetical situation to not put the dog down, that's what you have to do. It's best for everybody. And he was specifically referring to the universities though. So we can put the universities down, I guess. Um, but with the friends, it's like I said, for every person that I have that I make angry at me, I gain three who are supportive and happy and encouraging and that's the nature of a social media thing, of course. And it's not necessarily what you'll experience in real life. Um, you will find out who your real friends are in real life. Yeah. That's for sure. Oh, absolutely. Um, but I mean, I just got back from this thing, you know, this turning point thing. So I go out on the stage with Charlie Kirk and there's like a Jack Probasek. <laughs> <laughs> such as then no, nobody's going to be upset about this. And so I go out on the stage with these guys and then, you know, Charlie's asking me, you know, what is the cost been? And, you know, I was well, I start saying, you know, I've lost all these friends, both in person and online. I've lost actually contact with family members um, who basically won't speak with me. And then uh, Charlie's like, well, you have new friends now. And I pointed mm-hmm. around the, the the crowd just started like rising up. And I was like, that's right. Every single one of you. So it's like 2000 kids all hopped up on adrenaline. I'm like, it's you, it's you, it's you in the room. So it's true for every one person I make mad, I get three who respect me more. And that's like I, a, I, something I've been learning in, in a, uh, I'm going to bring in the Christianity here for just for a little small <laughs> second. <laughs> Uh, uh, Carter tolerates it all the time. I have a fellow Christian today, a little ragamuffin. Uh, but no, this thing that I've been learning, this idea of like, uh, uh, in the, the way that my preacher talks about it, well, like doing things that maybe I don't want to do, but I think God wants me to do things that mm-hmm. scare me. And mm-hmm. I guess if you're an atheist, you could just say things that you think, um, you're being, that would be best for you to do that maybe you don't want to Think do that your rational mind knows are best even though your emotions tell you you should do something else Something's you can right. just say being called you can say that i totally resonate with the idea of being called to do a thing yes at this point. okay so when i felt feel called to do something and i'm speaking in my personal life too things that i don't want to do that you know breaking up with someone maybe or that that was one of them um whatever you can't see what's on the other side of that and when you're scared of that hard thing or that decision of like, I'm really scared. I don't want to do this thing. You can't see what's beyond it. But I will say every time I've tried this experience and just trusted and done that scary thing on the other side of it, it makes so much more sense. And I'm so glad I did it. Even, Cause you can't, like you said, you can't see all those friends that you're going to make on the other side of that decision or those people you don't even know yet, you know? That's so, right. 
That's right. Yeah. It's, and I, I can't encourage people to follow your example more. Uh, frankly, you know, don't live in fear. Don't go along with a lie. Put your faith in the fact that there are bigger things going on than you necessarily perceive immediately. And you can try and you can take that theologically or not because it's true both ways. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even if you're not making friends to like, there's something I'm going to use the word soul, but I'll use it metaphorically. There's something soul destroying about doing something that, you know, like violating your own integrity and you give a piece. Of it's a slow away. death. It's a slow death. Yeah, you kill yourself like... a thousand times before, you know, yeah. more and more. So like a bunch of friends don't make up for that. At the end of the day, if you slowly killed yourself. It doesn't matter how many people. That is the demoralization process. Yep. And if you become demoralized, you lose. And so this is the thing, right? So I read White Guilt this summer. Um, Shelby Steele's White Guilt. It is not a woke book for the people who see this who aren't who haven't read it. It is definitely not a woke book. It is an anti woke book. And so he talks about how the, the the whole the whole dynamic we're watching around race and critical race theory in particular is a dynamic that has arisen in a vacuum of moral authority about race. And so you, the demoralization process is, is a process of stripping you of moral, of moral authority. So you have to start consciously making decisions that restore your moral authority to where you feel confident in yourself, to where you don't feel demoralized. And so every time that you get caught in one of these decision dilemmas and you capitulate, you go home feeling a little bit more embarrassed about yourself. You go home feeling a little weaker. You are a little more demoralized. Your soul has been chewed up that much more. And I tell you, it's just better to, to suck up the front end damage and not take that hit like a spiritual hit, or if you will, you know, your spiritual health is worth more. You're also your moral integrity. You know, I wrote that that woke breaking point article. What's your woke breaking point? And that's because people will rationalize away their moral integrity, their their moral authority, one little step at a time. Oh well, you know, this thing wasn't that bad. Oh, that well, here's why they did that. Well, of course they would do that. And the next thing you know, you're defending atrocities because you've rationalized yourself into a corner. And the 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 the, the, the trick is you actually can step out of that. And that's this huge essay I'm all excited about. You can actually step out of that at any time that you want, just by coming to terms with yourself and acknowledging that it's all a fiction. It's all a manipulative fiction that you've been drawn into and you will not be comfortable and it will not be fun and it will require courage, but you can literally step out of it at any time and start taking back your moral authority and epistemic authority where it comes to the intellectual side of the argument and living on terms you know are all you already know these terms are are the right terms and then you start rebuilding your soul if you will carter and um it's come to faith carter (laughs) (laughs) well actually you know i've always wanted to ask you this question was that wit yeah that that was wit but i've always wanted to ask you this so i'm going to ask you because it's related to what we're talking about um you know, as an atheist, I look at um, – I used to not have a lot of appreciation for Christianity, but I think you've you've also similarly started to ally yourselves with some, some Christians as well. I mean, not – I don't think you go to church, but 
Um, I have three you know, times, I think, this year. I went oh, to wow. Russell Moore's wow. church, in fact. <laughs> that's that's three more times than I have. But uh, Russell Moore's church. Um, that I was sat not down with the, with a Catholic bishop <laughs> a couple of weeks ago in Santa Barbara. I, I met with Charlie Kirk's pastor while I was in Florida two days ago. It was a good time. I would go to Carrie's pastor's church when oh. I visit her. Um, oh, think, but I, you um, have to meet my preacher. I'm going to send you a link to one of his videos because he's so nerdy and he gets all of this stuff. And yeah, I think in, a, in a good him. way, I think you would dig him. Okay, I'll I'll back out again. You go ahead. Yeah, cool. No, no, that's I, I was just going to ask kind of a broad question of you know I look historically I look at um, the atheists having torn down the validity of religion, uh, I, I would say epistemologically and metaphysically, like, it, and I support that tearing down of religion as an atheist. I'm like, yes, this was, this was correct. These arguments were correct. Um, but I don't, I, it seems like they didn't really replace it with anything other than some nihilism and pragmatism and some, some, sometimes hedonism, hedonism. And it kind of left this vacuum so that the ideas that you're saying now were, hey, you know, it's psychologically valuable to have integrity. Um, like these are some important things that you should kind of consider. They don't really come from the atheist community at all. They really harken back only to uh, religion because the atheists don't haven't really spent any time telling people how to live. They've just said, don't believe in this thing over here, but we're going to leave you on your own for everything. And we're not going to try and replace any of the value that religion provided at all. We're just going to tear it down and walk away and like job done. Um, yeah, it's because it was a critical I wonder if movement. that resonates with you or not. No, it was the, the, it was a critical theory movement, frankly. Um, and not to say, like, I agree. So here's the thing is critical theory has a use. Um, the, the one thing that critical theory is particularly valuable at is tearing down supremacy movements. So, you know, they, they focus a lot on this white supremacy. Patriarchy is the ideal of male supremacy. And so that's what they harp on and they act like that's still the state of the world. Well, the thing was growing up as first a Catholic and then a not really believing Catholic and then an atheist in the South, I can tell you there was definitely a Christian supremacy movement going on here and breaking down the Christian supremacy where atheists, for example, were not going to be allowed at the table and we're going to be considered some kind of like deficient, like rejects or whatever that needed to happen. But past that, it did not need to happen. And, and that's where it becomes critical theory, where it just becomes, you know, this kind of blind tearing down of a culture that I see at this point, you know, there, there's always, there are always the possibilities of bad things in religion, but there are also many very good things. Um, there's a lot of wisdom. There's a lot of uh, kind of soul nourishing stuff there. And in fact, it's been a very interesting treat for me for the last two years to spend all this time with these theologians and evangelical pastors and um, ministry leaders and then now this bishop and to get to hear these things on their terms and to try to really comprehend them on on those terms i don't accept the metaphysical terms that they have and i don't see that as a major problem as long as they don't because that's where the supremacy comes in and so long as but i i see actually that what I, I feel very much like we're describing largely the same thing with different metaphysical commitments so i was telling charlie kirk's pastor for example that my my impression is that he and i agree on everything physics but not necessarily everything metaphysics and that i'm okay with that 
and that I hope that he's okay with that. And that I think that what we should be doing is a number of things. One is that we should be willing to both tolerate and respect each other's traditions so long as what they seem to be doing is bringing good into the world. And another is that we should be meeting and we should be conversing and we should. So there's, let me make this really clear because there's a difference between what the interfaith movement is doing, which is a garbage thing. And then there's what I'm talking about. And so the interfaith movement would be like, let's say you're a Buddhist and I'm a Christian and we're going to come together and you're going to talk about Buddhism and I'm going to talk about Christianity. And we're both going to go home with this kind of like slightly blended thing, right? So it's like, we're going to mix oh, I have some Buddhist concepts to work into my Christianity. No, it's more like the Bible describes of an iron sharpening iron thing. You should very well go home with a deeper understanding of your Buddhism, and I should go home with a deeper understanding of my Christianity after our meeting. But we should be able to talk, whether that's conversing, whether that's arguing, whether that's agreeing, whether it's disagreeing, whether that whatever, in a cordial and open way, where the goal is not necessarily to shift other people's metaphysical commitments. This is one reason actually that I appreciate the Calvinist view, which is pretty harsh. The Calvinist view would say that it's absolutely absurd to believe that a man can change another man, can bring another man to God. Only God can bring somebody to God. And so it's not only folly, but inappropriate to try. So this sometimes makes for some pretty snobby Cal uh, Calvinists, but not always. Um, what it also ends up leading to our Calvinists who aren't trapped in that, who are very good at relating to other people because they don't see it as their job, even if they're evangelical in nature to profess evangelicalism for them is to profess the gospel. It is not to try to, you know, browbeat somebody or drag somebody to the gospel because for them, that's, if they understand their theology, that's nonsense. And there, there would be absolutely no reason or, or way to do that. And so, I feel like there's a lot to be gained by learning to be friends with one another again, where you talk about this, this vacuum. I think that's true. It's funny because, you know, my friends, I'm actually on the board of Atheists for Liberty. It's this organization. Um, and many of my friends were there at this, that Thomas? this meeting. I think I know. Yeah. I Thomas Sheedy and, yeah. and uh, Michael Trollin mm -hmm. and Peter Bogosian's on the board too with me. Uh, several of them were at this conference that I was just at the, the turning point conference. And they had a booth on down the way from where I had a booth for new discourses. And I went to um, talk to them frequently. And I was often with some of these evangelical friends of mine that kind of were, were with me around there. And at one point, myself and one of these evangelical women, or I guess Calvinist, she's, she's not very evangelistic, to be honest with you, uh, were leaving together. And she was remarking on kind of the differences that she notices between the kind of approach of most of the people at the booth and the way that I interact with Christians and, you know, nothing judgmental or rude. You're just remarking that there are clear differences. And it's obvious to me as well. And I said, do you know what the difference between me and them is? And she said, what? And I said, I have faith. And she thought I was joking and laughed, but I actually mean it. I just don't have faith in the sense that I would have faith in the metaphysical commitments of Christianity. I would, I would say that I have faith in I'm not quite sure what it is, but it's the sense that this is bigger than it's, there's more to this than me, but I don't mean that in any way that, that would be reflective of what a theology would describe. Um, although I can understand the thing that I'm talking about in theological terms, because of, I wrote that book, everybody's wrong about God. So I'm pretty good at stripping the theological terms out of this stuff. So um, I think there's something there. And I think that 
you know, because the, the, the atheism movement overstepped its bounds and became nearly wholly critical, which is no surprise, it ended up picking up wokeness, which is basically the liberation ideology tacked onto an otherwise critical movement. Um, it, it missed a necessary opportunity and has created this vacuum that you're describing that is genuinely a problem. I think it leaves people impoverished as individuals. Uh, yeah. And I have, I would actually encourage people to head toward Christianity to fill that in if they're not able to do it for themselves before I would encourage them to wallow in that kind of impoverished state, even though I don't agree with the, the, um, many of the claims of Christianity myself. Yeah. Carter says all the time he would rather live in a Christian theocracy than in a woke one. Oh, that's, which I that's think... unambiguously true. I mean, if you were going to be ruled somewhat tyrannically by, I mean, yeah, if you're going to be ruled somewhat tyrannically, uh, you, the, the thing is, and this is an interesting point, theology is, Christian theology is now 2,000 years old, and it rests on a Judaic tradition that's at least 3,000 years older than that. And so that's a long time to have really gotten to know human nature and to have worked out a lot of kinks in getting to know human nature. The woke thing is based in a particularly perverted view of social science, which is in its infancy and doesn't know shit. And so if you're going to live in some, if you're going to be ruled by some kind of an ideology, one that's in touch with human nature, one where the ministers, uh, whether they be priests, pastors, bishops, deacons, whatever, are very invested in this very human um, relationship to the to to the divine. I would I would much rather land in that than I would in something that basically sees it as a sociological experiment in an infant science that doesn't even have the tools necessary to do the first steps of becoming a real science, which is what we have. We have sociologists and they're imposters in things like gender studies pretending to be theologians and filling that role and taking up the roles of priests and pastors and so on and leading people. You can see the destruction they're leading people into because they don't have as even if just to say this, and I don't know if it's the right way to put it, but just say, even if, even if the Christian thing is just a, a bad approximation of human nature, it is a much better approximation than this kind of hee-haw disconnected science thing that tries to sit aside from that which it studies and mostly spends its time crapping on it. Whereas, um, other than maybe Calvinism, uh, <laughs> Christianity tends to largely be a celebration of, of humanity in some, some regard. <laughs> we have love. Christianity is all love and woke right. is not loving. So no, it's true. You know, I don't have to like you, but I'm still going to love you. Exactly. You know? And Christianity has a healthy relationship to, to the victim because it understands at the very center, this is something the Bishop said, Bishop Robert Barron in, in LA said to me when I was on his show is that at the very center of the Christian mythos is Christ on the cross, the innocent victims being put to suffer. And that was being done. If you follow the theology, he, he was, he, he was, he was put to death and being God, he could have stopped that. So he willingly accepted this suffering on behalf of others. So there's this entirely different awareness of what 
victimology, if you will, looks like from within a Christian metaphysic. And it's completely like the, this, this woke thing has it literally, it's an inverted cross. It's literally mm-hmm. the inverted cross. Um, it's just perfectly upside down uh, Christianity and Christianity has not had, you know, a blameless past by any stretch. However, it has, it has successfully enabled and then led to societies that flourish on a level that's, that's undeniable. Whereas this woke thing seems only to destroy um, in the tradition well, of woke, other things that only destroy. Yeah, I mean, it, with, with the woke ideology, if something goes wrong, it's the human's fault. It's never the idea. There's never. That's right. It's never right. the. It's never the, the application of the philosophy. It's always the people's fault. There's something broken with them. Whereas in, I, I feel like Christianity, at the very least, like you've said, it's, it's taken thousands of years if you tack on Judaism to evolve to the point where, uh, it's workable. It's not if it's if something's broken, it's their. <sighs> They think maybe it's the way that they're talking about it or the way they're doing it. It's their implementation rather than, you know, what, what's this? We're saying bye to Marie. Oh, you're saying bye to Marie. Oh, Marie's leaving. Marie's bye, Marie. leaving. Hi, I've got a store to run. So you can interrupt. Also, also, somebody in the chat, Carter, said there's way lo- too low frivolity happening because we're having serious conversations. Which <laughs> oh, I'm fine hey, with. You want but- some frivolity? I, I'm, I like the low frivolity. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I, I could show you my frivolous t shirt. My frivolity. Intermit it. Do it. Yeah. All right. Show us your show us your t shirt. Oh, did you make that? Oh, I love it. That hair move. It does. Oh wow. Nice. That's awesome. And there's bells. Very nice. nice. Okay, well I can so before I before I go, I'll have to show you mine because this is yarn shop humor. <laughs> Please. Please <laughs> Very nice. Thanks for joining us, Marie. Okay. Oh, Thanks, that's guys. So Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Bye. Merry Christmas. Later, Bye, Marie. Thank you. Yep. Uh, uh, frivolity, oh yeah. You don't so, have no, frivolity. Well, what are frivolity. you? You are. What are James your favorite? Seems very serious. Pikachu. Yeah. So your favorite Christmas movies to see it. James. Die Hard. Die Hard. Yes. Oh, the Die Hard. <laughs> I have having my daughter doesn't believe it's a Christmas movie. I made her watch it, and she's like, "Why is this a Christmas movie?" And Carrie argues that it's not a Christmas movie. Thank Scro- you for that being number Scrooge one. Scrooge is pretty good. Um, usually, though, so what we do for for the Christmas with the family, since you asked me about the traditions, is we get together and we just watch whatever movies. So for us, movies themselves are Christmas movies. Um, we're not particularly into, you know, we're not going to watch like Tim Allen chasing a reindeer or whatever. Uh, last year we did watch Christmas vacation, but I can only tolerate that about once every five years. Um, yeah. Maybe eight. The Chevy chase one. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. the best. You know, I don't think I ever saw that. Okay. Uh, well, there you go. You've got a mission this year. Um, yeah. it's a, it's a phenomenon. Uh, if you want some absolute frivolity, and it's a short one, James. Uh, Pee Wee Herman's Christmas special is still very good. And is it? I yes. haven't watched that in so long. I bet it is good. <laughs> it's very good and silly. And even in that, you're watching it going, hey, I think there's some stuff here he, you couldn't get away with today. Oh, but, yeah, uh, for sure. Yeah. 
I've been informed that Iron Man, I think three, my son says is a Christmas movie because it's set during Christmas. So I mean, that's, that's like Die Hard. It's die hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I watched uh, Chris- the Hulu Christmas movies from A to Z. So that was tough. Uh-oh. Wait, what was that? All What'd of the do? the Christmas movies that are on Hulu from A to Z. That's you watched a all marathon. Yeah, it was. I just do it while I work. Wow. <laughs> and they're bad. There are a lot of bad movies. Bad Santa. That's a funny one. Do you guys see that? No. <laughs> it's hilarious. I um, that either. Bad Santa's pretty good. You guys, uh, Mystery Chris just joined us as well. I just wanted to say hi to him. He's looking oh, very no. festive. He's got a Christmas mystery <laughs> avatar. Yeah. Now. yeah. So we don't. We still don't know what he looks like exactly, but now we know he's festive. <laughs> Hello, Chris. Hey, how's it going? We were talking about favorite Christmas movies. I'm sure you have a really. Um, I'm sure you have one that nobody knows of. Maybe. <laughs> uh, the movie Elves from uh, 1988, starring uh, the actor who played Grizzly Adams. He plays a mall Santa <laughs> who uh, gets uh, intertwined with some uh, demons from hell. And what? Um, yeah, it's a. Uh, I hope I not see this one. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's one of the best bad so bad they're good movies yeah was it carrie were you the one that made me watch this isn't christmas but i don't were you made did you make me watch the the disaster artist and then the original one or is it someone else that made me do that recently no it was the first time i ever saw a movie that was oh, so room? bad that i was like you know, I tommy wiseau yeah the room the room <laughs> yeah oh my god uh I never thought I'd be the type of person that watched a really, really bad movie in enjoyment, but that that was it. Uh, <laughs> That's Troll 2, though. That's if you want to watch, and it actually was declared, IMDb declared it the best, worst movie in the world. You guys know this movie, right? Troll 2? Which, no. no. Uh, so it was made by these it, Italian, I think it was Italian filmmakers, and they were trying to um, capitalize off of the success of Troll 1, which had Julia Louis-Dreyfus in it. And so they made this movie. It wasn't about trolls. It was about goblins. Um, <laughs> and, and it was horrible. And they cast people in this small American town who weren't actors. Like the local dentist is, plays the dad. And the, the, the movie is just awful. Um, the, the special effects are awful. And uh, they, they ended up naming it Troll 2 when they put it out because Troll 1 had just come out and was successful. And it is the Can you worst. Do that from a copyright perspective, like, could I just make a Terminator yeah. Eight? And the original VHS copy had like a werewolf on the cover. There's no wolves in it at all. It didn't make <laughs> any sense. But it's a terrible good movie if you want to watch something awful. And and the guy they ended up doing a documentary about how bad it is because people started passing VHS copies around and you know having oh, the same with the room. And, they did a the movie The yeah. Disaster Artist is about the making of the room. Yeah. Um, I'll put my worst movie up against yours. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I watched, I one time did a when I was working uh, in security, actually, like computer security. For some reason, I don't know why we were involved in this movie, but uh, I don't even remember. But Chris Coppola was hired by some. I think actually he was like a midwestern dentist to make the movie of his dreams, and it was some 
I don't even remember the name of it, but it was a horror movie about two twin brothers, but one was black and one was white. And, but they were identical twins. And it was like some kind of swamp thing, trailer park movie. Uh, that was pretty bad. I'll, I'll find that one for you if you want to. I'll put that up against your worst movie. That's pretty bad. Well, Carrie, oh. I think I showed you Miami Connection. Do you remember that one? Uh, oh, God. That one's probably my favorite one. Uh, this one's about a, uh, it's in the 80s movies. So it's about a band that sings songs about Taekwondo. And they end up running into a gang of ninjas that's trafficking drugs out of Orlando, even though the movie's called Miami Connection. And this is this movie was so bad that it didn't get a release and it just sat on a shelf. And someone at the Alamo Draft House found it a few years ago and brought it back. And they even brought back the director. He was a South Korean guy and he was trying to make a his ode to America cinema and it was just horrible. And they actually had a big uh, show at the draft house where they brought all the actors back and had them pretend to play their songs and stuff. And it was, I always wonder like with this and with Troll 2, how many of the people who make these movies are actually like, they're laughing along with the audience, the new audience that's found the movie, but deep down they're crying because <laughs> they were setting out to make a comedy, but yet all these people are laughing at their hard work, their blood and sweat and tears that went into this movie. And everyone's just laughing at it. I'm just like, eh, it's kind of- Some of them are good sports. <laughs> like the Troll 2 people, at least the ones featured in the documentary, except for the woman who went crazy. Um, but the rest of them were all like, they seemed on board with it. The fact that it was, they all knew it was a bad movie. They knew they weren't actors, so. I, I need this list from Mystery Chris about all of yeah. these bad movies because my friends and I have a weekly bad movie night. So this is right up our alley. We just watched Silent uh, yeah, Night, Deadly Night 3 yesterday. Yeah. Three? There's two before it? <laughs> yeah. Yes. And the third one <laughs> has. Oh, we don't think the third one was actually supposed to initially be a sequel. We think that they just had a, a, a horror movie script and then we're like, yeah, let's just attach it to the name here. Uh, <laughs> so I'm going to need that. Hey, list. Keith, what do we have to do to convince you to uh, to do your remake of uh, Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer? Is it time? Oh, nice, nice um, background, by the way. Uh, yeah, I was uh, playing with backgrounds. You can't do that because every time you put that in the chat or whatever, I just can't help. But I, can't say it. <laughs> I have to take a quick break, but I'll be back in time to hear your song. If I don't, if James leaves before I get back, thank you very much, James, for coming on. We will see what happens. Well, James might want this. He might want to hear this song. Oh, Keith, are you going to share the? You want I me to try share... and share the screen? Yeah, I we're love... since I figured out how to do backgrounds. I'm not allowed to share my screen. I'm censored by the show. Oh, oh really? Well. All right. Well, I can change that, or I can just it. share my screen here. Yeah, okay, he probably so can show it. He broke our terms of service, James. That's what oh, I'm saying. So You're well. a private company. Yeah. Can you guys? Can everyone see this? Yes. Or not? Yes. Well, I don't know. I can. Wait a minute. I might have actually been singing this spontaneously earlier today. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's pretty close. See, you know, you got leftist, and I was saying by a virus. <laughs> I literally did sing that first line, but the last word was virus earlier, and my wife cracked oh, well, up, it, and all was well, you good. Can sing it. Maybe you should sing it. No, I can't sing. No. Oh, I can't either. I'm just a guitar. Well, that's but not I, my problem. I will sing. <laughs> I will See, sing. That's, 
That's your problem, not my problem. That's a that's a you problem, Keith. <laughs> well, I I'm making my problem your problem. <laughs> no, but you can't sing over Zoom anyway. I'm yeah, we'll all sing though. along together, and yeah, the, there's too much be no the problem. Delay. Oh, and if you're singing, mute your mic because otherwise the delay will over. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it'll make a. Uh, what did Christ use? I think he said cac cacophony. Okay. Cacophony. Cacophony. Yes. Okay, you can see the lyrics. I got to turn the guitar on. Can we all go get a lighter? So. Is that coming through? Yeah. Okay, you hear the guitar and you hear my voice. Oops. Oh. Uh -oh. Now we hear your voice. Oh, I just switched to uh, the mixer. God mode? Mixer. God. No, that's not God mode. Uh, here is God mode. <laughs> wow. Okay. So that reminds me of Strange Brew. You're supposed to say something about beer, eh? We should, we should really talk about it because it's actually, it's cathedral. It's called cathedral. Maybe we should use that in the show. We talk about Seems the holy. cathedral. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Everybody got their singing voice on? No. I'm an excellent singer, but I won't ruin it because of the you delay. Won't sing so I'll just okay. Go mute. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody that wants to sing could help me out. I, I don't. Just so you know, James, I'm not a singer. I play guitar. I don't actually do the singing. <laughs> they Good say, luck, Keith, buddy. get in the back with your bass and your guitar, and, and stay away from the mic. Let's get. Let's do it, Keith. Christmas got run over by a leftist. Ignorance has filled my Twitter feed. Since Santa's a guy makes me a sexist Mrs. Claus, I bet, would disagree It's cold outside, I mean, I'm a rapist I'll rage Olympus has decreed I've said there's no such thing as hate facts Radical leftist, you all I woke up Christmas morning Facebook told me what to think I posted reason to the world And the response was that I need to see a shrink See a shrink Christmas got run over by a leftist Ignorance has filled my Twitter feed Santa's a guy makes me a sexist But Mrs. Claus, I bet, would disagree Yeah, Mrs. Claus, I bet, would disagree That was very festive. <laughs> He's the hat guy. Frivolity. So, Keith, yeah, you win the frivolity award for that one. Now was anybody singing along? No. no. I was muted, but I did. I was, I was I singing did. along in my head. Uh, <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. I that. stared with a blank stare. <laughs> <laughs> James was offended. Yeah. Offended. He was offended. Okay. Yeah. Your and mom I was put, offended. 
<laughs> I have to say your mom uh, comments on Twitter are some of my favorite lately because you reach a point. I, I, I've thought about this before where um, what's the okay when I first started trying to speak my mind on Twitter and you know engage in good faith and it, I had all these rules for myself and if people disagree with me I was going to try and treat them in good faith even if they treated me in bad faith and you can only do so much of that before after a while it's very um it I think it starts to just I don't know it's just exhausting and so and and also some people don't I think respect is something Jordan Peterson talks about this respect is something earned it's different than civility and some people some tweets that all they deserve in response is mockery and so i really enjoyed watching that evolve on your twitter feed and your mom jokes and stuff makes <laughs> i love that your mom jokes they leave themselves wide open all the time i almost your mom so does your mom your mom leaves you so you've met her i see you've met her um also because no, it's so it's a, silly it is that's right it's 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 absolutely preposterous um you know it's like it's not what i heard from your mom when it's, <laughs> it's just silly whatever it's just like come on and it just utterly disarms these these people or they, they get mad and delete their tweet or <laughs> <laughs> we started doing on our last episode james we started coming up with all the people watching uh, were contributing and coming up with um remember the dumb blonde jokes when we were kids we're yeah. coming up with SJW jokes, though. So how many SJWs does it take to play bridge? Five. Because two plus two equals five. Uh-huh. And yeah, so people <laughs> were coming up with some good ones. And I'm like, there's something about that kind of humor that's just so silly. How could you be mad about it? It was actually um, a guy we've talked to before on Twitter. He goes by SJW Debates. I think his name mm-hmm. is Mr. Jangles or Jingles. And Carter J- and I have talked Jangles, to him. Jangles. Jangles Science yeah. Lad. He laughed at one of them. I was like, that's oh, wow. awesome. You know, that he could still laugh at something that's making fun of. I'll well, give he's you one a of the few SJWs that, that shows up to talk to people. Yeah. Right. Like, he, yeah, he's, he's pissed because I didn't show up to talk to him. Um, uh, <laughs> oh, well. well uh, Dolly, but no, a serious point on that. Oh, go ahead. Dolly Parton, because I know Carrie likes Dolly. Mm-hmm. So she has a great quote, and um, it's about her Dumb Blonde song when that came out forever, forever ago. She says, I know I'm, it doesn't bother me because I know I'm not a dumb blonde. I'm, no, I'm not blonde and I'm not dumb. That's what it is. Um, so like these SJW, like if, if that's not you or anybody, somebody calls you racist or whatever stupid crap, like it doesn't matter because you know it's not you. So who cares? Laugh at it. It's funny, right? Yeah. Fact. So. No, that yeah. with jangles though is a thing because like um, the way out of this for a lot of people who have been kind of caught by the ideology is to learn how to laugh gently at themselves. It's the same thing that a lot of the comedians did in the 80s, 70s and the 80s and even into the 90s where they got white people to gently laugh at their racism. And it gave them like an off ramp where they didn't have to like just come out and have this like guilt ridden confession thing that they're trying to force people into now after they've already gotten over it. So um, this is kind of a, I don't know, maybe it's a more general point that like the left doesn't laugh, but (laughs) they have like no humor. So maybe they're the ones who didn't laugh at themselves 30 years ago and they're still racist. And now that they have to like 
do it with guilt and whipping, whipping themselves or whatever. But um, the truth is though, no, this gentle humor uh, that gets these people to laugh at themselves like that is going to be the way that wakes a lot of people up. I've been thinking about that pretty hard for a while, not to get too serious in the midst of our frivolity. Um, oh, it's great. Oh, no, well, we're talking about humor. Thing. Yeah. Soft analyzing humor. humor counts. I analyze everything. We had another yeah. one you can use. It was um, how many Your SJWs. analyzes everything. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it was uh, how many SJWs does it take to change a light bulb? Uh, that's I'm waiting to hear this. Okay, 13. One to change the light bulb and 12 for the diversity <laughs> committee. <laughs> that's a good one, huh? Yep. yep. <laughs> I uh, thought the best one that someone submitted was how many SJWs does it take to change the light bulb? And the answer was, I'm offended. <laughs> that was, that's, that's probably the most accurate one. Or that's racist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. It, it could yeah, that's be racist. because. I put this Abolish uh, light bulbs burning out. Because when they burn out, they're da- no longer Darkness. light bulbs. They're we dark talking bulbs. About that in chat. Now you're going to yeah. change a dark bulb, and that's racist. Right. <laughs> and they all sit around in the dark, all lonely. <laughs> so, Carter, I want to um, send you some old Christmas music that I don't think will get a copyright strike playing because it's so uh, old. You're going to get us. Get us struck. All right, all right. No. What, you sent me some pictures. Um, what are these pictures you sent me? Am I supposed to do something? Oh, put like those up first. I want to see what James thought of these. This is Uh-oh. the uh, I don't. May you may have already seen this. I don't know, but uh, I, I just saw this today. It's gonna take me a minute. Last Hold night. on, I gotta last fix night. some stuff. This is. The, did you see the Vatican's nativity this year? I haven't seen anything. I was on a plane and then I was writing an essay. Okay, so it's this really. And before that, there was a lot of scotch. So. <laughs> what kind of scotch if i tell you you'll be jealous <laughs> oh, so a really good one if we don't like scotch it was a really okay. really good one it was a 21 year old one so those don't go lightly um <laughs> drank most of a 300 dollar bottle of scotch <laughs> okay it's hard to see this carter's gonna pull it up you can't see it. Carter will pull it up, but I'll pull it up. Okay. Yeah, it's looking there's a bit this, weird. It already looks a bit weird, right? And there's uh, three photos here, and this is where they put up. I forget what park this is in, but it's where the Vatican usually puts up their traditional nativity scene. Um, and it, I was, I was a bit. Uh, I guess I was pleased to see that I wasn't the only one that thought this was bizarre and kind of a mockery of the nativity and just very weird. Um, there's a guy dressed like an astronaut who's carrying an egg. There's another guy who looks like a Dothraki <laughs> who has like a helmet on with a spear. I think these are supposed to be interpretations of the wise men, but like one's a space guy. And then there, the art itself is just not very good. It just reminds me of a lot of sort of postmodern art where the message is supposed I to be I did more see important. that somewhere and I didn't know what there. the heck I was looking at. Okay, so this is this Can is you guys part see of this? it. Uh yeah. That's weird. Well, you may not know what you're looking at, but can you <laughs> Okay, I can definitely I see it. A guy with a shepherd's Where's hook. Jesus? Terrifying. I think Jesus is, is the, he red, the rock. red rock. Yeah, I think baby Jesus oh. is the red rock. And then look at this, look at these wise men. What? In oh, the there's hell? a camel. The, sure. I can tell what the camel is. Is that a turkey? <laughs> Yeah, it is. Is it? 
Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like, sure, this is exactly. something from Dungeons. Is the guy and behind is that? It's like this is not from Dungeons and Dragons. It's Who's like Titan Dungeons and Dragons. You sent the wrong thing. The guy Kevin. from Monty Python. So we've clearly got a Russian cosmonaut, and we've got—I <laughs> don't even know, man. That's like some orcs or something. Sounds like like a zero budget eighties film. The costumes. Yeah. yeah this so, oh uh, yeah, people in the chat are also asking WTF? What is that? Yeah, this is the Vatican's. That's now the Vatican. I, I, d- yeah, I know well, a lot of people. Is, yeah. Oh wow, I missed this one. What's this one? Yeah, I don't know what that is either. <laughs> Is he blowing his nose on something? I don't know what the heck that is. Those are flutes, I think. They're yeah, fine. Oh. Like, you gotta play five like recorders at the same time. Hot cross buns. Hot cross buns. <laughs> yeah. I, I know how that goes. Um, so, I just, I. what are your thoughts on this as turkey. it relates? Like, what? <laughs> My God. I mean, it's, it's, what? It is obviously some kind of, I mean, I agree. There's some deconstruction happening here. It's like these things are intentionally misrepresented. Why these particular things have been chosen (laughs) is interesting. Um, Jesus as a red rock doesn't strike me as making a great deal of sense. I don't think there were turkeys in the Middle East, maybe ever. Um, Turkey's near the, the Middle East. Is this the Vatican? Is this the Vatican? You said. Yeah, this is the Vatican. Now, I did see. So this that isn't like a random New York. The statue York in front the with the yeah. cell phone looks really realistic, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's my favorite. <laughs> um, so I did read an article because I know a lot of people it's are saying that one. the Pope is very woke. Yeah, um, the Pope. The Pope's a Marxist. But the Pope supposedly also does not like the Vatican's nativity this year, which begs the question, well, I mean, could he not have said no? I don't know. I mean, uh, he, well, he couldn't say yes, because uh, divine infallibility or whatever, like could not have approved that. Uh, I have no idea what, no, who, whoever thought that was a good idea. I'm sure I can find some, more theologically grounded people than I am who are going to see that thing and see all kinds of like stuff, but a spaceman. And then I don't know what that berserker thing is. And then it looks like, I assume that's Mary, but she's standing up awful tall with like a fishbone body or something. Yeah. Yeah. Well that, I think Mary's actually off to the right and the fishbone body thing that looks, it looks like the Starbucks logo. I think that's the angel. (laughs) That was just the product placement. Yeah, but it Starbucks. does look a little bit like a Starbucks logo. Uh, I anyway, I know a I lot don't of believe in this. Okay, Catholics. maybe is that is that Mary with a candle? Is that what's going on? On the right there, next to the yeah, rock. Okay, uh, is she holding it? Or, yeah, I don't know. What is that angel doing? It's, it's very strange. <laughs> I love what's it. going it's on the side sun gods lightning striking like a, behind yeah. him too. is that Joseph Sideways? with his little shepherd's hook? Is that what's going on there? He's got a pumpkin. I think so. Yeah. He's wearing like a pumpkin as a helmet. That's right. It's like Jack Skellington. It legitimately not. looks like a bad eighties movie. Like I, I think that he's also very... angry. Can you guys see how angry he is? No. Is he's he got like he, I don't yeah, if his uh I don't know if I can zoom in. Oh angry oh, guys. Yeah. He's, he's angry. He's angry Park, like South Park guys. It does yeah. look like South Park. <laughs> <laughs> I just what think overall it's sort doing? of doing. I think it's I'm just gonna demoralizing. need to like, break down of that. Well, because, no kidding. Yeah, Christians look at this, I think, and at least 
some of the Catholics I've heard from about it is they view it as um, not just being silly and absurd, but as purposefully offensive. No, right. I, I could yeah. totally see that because it's, of course. I mean, that's, that's like a pretty holy thing. And um, I mean, that's one of the first impressions I had is like, this is like piss Christ all over again. Um, yeah. But coming from the Vatican. But coming from the Vatican. <laughs> so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that, I'd like to know whose idea that was. Retiring? I heard he was retiring. I hope so. Popes aren't supposed to retire. <laughs> I know, but the last one did. I think this guy, didn't he say he was retiring? Didn't he say? Well, from what I understood when the last one retired, listening to Catholics, was that popes don't retire. Popes are retired. It is a. I see. Uh huh. Well, all I know, I, everything I know about that situation, I learned from Anthony. You know, I was raised Catholic. I should know these things. Uh, when did you, this might be too serious of a question, but when did you start, uh, you were raised Catholic, were you a believer when you were younger? or? I mean, I think so. I mean, it was like a really vague thing. I actually wasn't very serious about it, obviously. I didn't, it's like, I remember going to Sunday school as a kid and thinking, man, this is BS. And then... Um, my dad made a deal with me because I hated going to church because when you're a kid, Catholic church is just not that fun. And so he was like, if you go to church until you're confirmed from now without putting up a fight, then uh, you're adult in the church at that point and you get to pick what you do. And so I was like, deal. <laughs> like for four years, I talked about playing the long game. And for like four years, I went to church, like never put up an argument, like time to go to church every Sunday. I went to church and then finally got confirmed and then the next sunday my dad like knocks on the bedroom door wakes me up time for church like nope not going he's like what <laughs> and i'm like i'm an adult in the church now you said and he could like see him sucking his cheeks and like chewing on his gums or something like he's not happy that i had him and so then i wasn't really relevant to my life i would have said that i was a believer certainly uh and then i got kind of into but it was through my protestant friends i got kind of into religion again when i got to college uh and then it was coming out of kind of that is when the faith started to just like, I think I started watching the creationists on TV and I was like, all right, I'm done with all this. I don't think I really ever believed any of it. And so that's sort of that process. Um, I was, you know what, mystery Chris, even though you were my friend in real life, I don't think I've ever asked you that question. Were you raised in the church? Cause I know you go now. Are you still there? Uh, yeah, I was raised. Yeah, can you still hear me? Yeah. Hopefully, <laughs> not talking to myself. Uh, yeah, I was raised uh, in a church. It's funny. <laughs> my, my friend uh, once asked me uh, what kind of church I went to uh, as a kid, and I go, a black one. <laughs> and he was like, no, no, I'm in the denomination. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, Methodist. No. But yeah, it was a Methodist church for a while, and then became non-denominational. So. And and when you see this, because you are you're a Christian, when you see that nativity, what do you think it means? I know you know a lot about pop culture and stuff. Ugh, uh, I, I don't know. That's it seemed very odd. It seemed very Doctor Who-ish, almost like you're trying to yes. uh, add some science fiction, some more fantasy uh, elements into the story. <laughs> That's what it seemed like. Are you offended? I'm not offended, but I understand why Christians are. 
I, I'm, I'm not. It takes a lot to offend me. I'm just not offended. I mean, there's there's plenty of people out there trying to do ridiculous things and trying to take jabs and things. I'm just not offended. I'm offended that Keith Keith suggested it might be a D&D thing. <laughs> no. D&D is not that ridiculous. It just looks spooky. <laughs> Like something spooky. Yeah. Or, or some, I'm trying to think of an old right. science fiction. There's just something yeah. not right. Doctor Who's a good one. I'm I'm Doctor curious Who. why it's at the Vatican. Because I when it first started flying around Twitter, I expected it to be like some like uh modern art riff somewhere in like New York, right? And this <clears throat> it just seems really weird for the Vatican, but then again the Pope is woke as hell, so mm-hmm. yeah. And yeah. It's not even that recognizable as woke. I wouldn't even automatically think it's woke. It's just weird. Just modern <laughs> art. No, I think it's just, I, I don't think it's necessarily woke. I think it's just about destroy. I, I think just, just like a lot of the critical theory, I think it's about just taking something that is um, ancient and traditional and normal and sort of, and sort of destroying it a little bit or deconstructing it a little bit. Yeah, and, that would be postmodern. The postmodern, yeah. you know, to take the thing and then reproduce it in a way that that's filled with arbitrary stuff that that doesn't really make sense. It's a very postmodern thing to do. So is, it's like postmodern there, Christmas at the Vatican. Yeah. Is there a, such a thing as postmodern Catholicism? Is that like is that what the Pope? <laughs> I mean, I think we just saw a picture of it. Uh, <laughs> I didn't. As know. for whether or not there's believers that are postmodern Catholics, probably. Um, I mean, they managed it within the evangelical church or the, 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 I don't know which ones, you know, they had a couple of bids at that. The emergent church was explicitly postmodern. Um, certainly Southern Baptist convention been floating with it. Uh, but the emergent church was like, they were writing books like what would Jesus deconstruct? So, (laughs) um, is that really a book title? That's really a book title. (laughs) <laughs> I'm not making that up. That's a real book. That's awesome. I mean, it doesn't fit on a bumper sticker, but it's pretty good. What I've seen some pretty wordy stuff? bumper stickers. Oh, so maybe it would fit. Well, all I'm bad isn't the, isn't says... the postmodern answer? Everything. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Wombat of Doom says it was created by an arts high school in Castelli in the Abruzzo, Abruzzo region of Italy between 1965 and 75. I think that's referring to the art... I'm not sure. Oh, so this is like that would have been old. at the height of the, the the postmodern art movement. Yeah. Yeah, your piss Christ reference was uh, uh, not an anachronism. No, I get I, I get impressions, man. My my intuitions on this stuff are sharp, even when I can't quite figure out what in the world's going on. <laughs> um, it was the intu the first intuitive feeling was like, oh, this is a piss a piss Christ, but coming from inside the the cathedral. Yeah. But maybe if the Pope doesn't like it, I don't know what to say about that. Like, like. Yeah, I don't, I'm not really sure. So I just want to let everyone know we're going to have uh, Mr. Garcia is going to pop in in five minutes and stream a song live from his concert tonight. So if you can mute yourself when he's playing, you don't have to mute yourself before then, but he'll just be joining us soon. What's he playing? No, the piano? Sing along. 
He said no. I think he worked up a Spanish guitar version of uh, "God Rest You Merry Gentlemen." Oh, man, I, I love I love the haunting Christmas songs. The one uh, "God Rest You Merry Gentlemen," "Carol of the Bell," or yeah, "Carol of the Bell." Yes. Anything, anything that sounds like Christmas is gonna get you. Christmas is gonna. Get you. Like, <laughs> I love all the creepy Christmas songs. That's a good way of putting it. Those are my favorite ones too. Like uh, "God Rest You Merry Gentlemen." Um, what child is this? I think it's just the ones that are that you can sing really low because I have a low voice when I try to sing, which I can't do, but I can I can better do those that are really low. And I like the I like I, you're right. Christmas is going to get you. There's something like yeah. a little foreboding about those songs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm excited to hear that one. I also sent you a song that we could play sometime tonight, Carter. Yeah, I see that. Yeah. I have it. I have it queued up. Um, but while James is here. I'm going to read a comment from the chat that a Herman, Hermit Thrush sent that says, uh, the death of God was the philosophical slash spiritual equivalent of the Western intervention and, quote, spreading democracy in Iraq, Libya, etc., obliterating a flawed system in favor of no system, burn the shelter, live in brutal wind. I don't think there's a question there, but a comment. It's an interesting comment. Uh it's hard to say because the the death of God, you know, Nietzsche was writing about that. And so the context around that would have been whatever the context that Nietzsche saw. And while I am somewhat familiar with Nietzsche and I'm very familiar with how Foucault used Nietzsche, I'm not actually familiar with who Nietzsche considered to be his influences. Um, I do know that the German idealist school took on a very different conception of God later uh, starting probably at the beginning of the 19th century. And that probably is what's led to this, you know, death of God thing. And so I'm trying to kind of work out that, but I don't know that it's quite identical to, to that. It may be, um, it's an interesting comment. Anyway, it's, it's something worth thinking about for sure. I don't have much cogent to say about it though. That's all right. Someone else asks, is there anything positive about postmodernism? Uh, I mean, when postmodern art tries to be uh, kind of beautiful in its weird way and liberatory, I like it. Uh, I think that the postmodern philosophers are very good at being in a descriptive sense of, of kind of showing the dark side of power. I think right now, actually with everything that's going on with the whole application of policy around the virus, we are seeing very clearly what Foucault was warning about in his descriptions of biopower. And so Foucault's warnings about biopower and his analysis of how biopower could work in a you know social order suddenly gain a lot of poignancy. So it's hard to just pitch him under the bus completely for that. What, happens when you use it prescriptively becomes a bit of a problem uh i'm not as inclined to give like this nod and say oh well we all have biases and so like come on that that's not what they were doing they were doing something much more profoundly ridiculous than that but if you take all of their criticisms of science and its relationship to power and then you replace science with scientism then all of a sudden you have a pretty useful analysis of that particular problem, which I think we are now living under a tyranny created in, in that situation. So I can't be too 
negative about that philosophy because I think it's a, in that sense, because I think it created, it offers a cogent analysis of a problem that we face. Um, it's obliteration of truth. However, to say that there's no truth becomes its own big problem. Oh, am I supposed to be quiet now? Right. Right. Uh, I don't, I don't know. I don't know when I saw Monsieur Garcia is going to do his thing. <laughs> so, Oh, there he is. All right, everybody should mute. There he is. All right, I'll I'll, I'll try and mute everyone and unmute him. Hold on. Uh... Hello? Do I have to really follow that eloquent speech with what I'm about to do? You do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and you're, whatever you're going to do must be intellectually superior by three orders of magnitude, so... Well, it won't be. <laughs> but here we go. Good to see y'all, everyone. That. That's it. Is it okay? I'm done. That was excellent. <laughs> oh, <Wonderful>. Bye. <laughs> Just kidding. Thank <laughs> you. 
I much prefer that to the original version. <laughs> Thank you. That was very good. That was awesome. awesome. Y'all have a good one. Yeah, damn, bro. Oh, have Thanks, a great you show. <laughs> that was pretty killer. Wow. That was pretty Ninja cool. bomb out. That was pretty killer. I like it when he goes yeah. uh, really high up with the notes and it yeah. sounds like... <laughs> 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 that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he had the looping very, pedal. He's very talented, Carrie. I know I'm biased, but uh, I think he is. <laughs> I do miss that's something I missed that I think the most this last year is live music. I'm like dying here. I'm like, I just want to see a show. I just want to go somewhere. <laughs> that was yeah. wonderful. Thank you. Yeah, there were people in chat saying they haven't seen a live show in about a year, which yeah. I can't even imagine. Texas is still, it depends on where you're at. Austin's pretty closed down but the rest of the state is you, you can still see live music and that's because Austin is woke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Florida's open. You can come see me if you want to come to South Florida on Sunday. I played Florida. two hours today on the waterfront. Florida is pretty open. Oh, so isn't lucky. It? Florida's totally open. It's it, there's an order like counties and cities are not allowed to lock down or, or shut down restaurants. It's it's, mm -hmm. So you have a reverse order. You guys have an order to not lock down. And we're over here in freaking Las Vegas, I am. And the whole, it's like nothing. Like, why, why do I even live here anymore? I ask myself. That's why I'm moving out of Chicago. Oh, it's horrible. Yeah. I was just in Florida. It was great. Yeah, you were you were at uh, West Palm. You went to the uh, Palm Beach County Convention Center, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. There were, I didn't go this year, but I, thousands I went of the people list. there. It was crazy. I, I heard so Pence people. speak instead of Trump. I think yeah, Pence. Pence spoke at the very end. I was actually at the airport by the time he spoke, though, so I didn't see that. It's probably for the best. I was there last year when Trump came, and it ruined the afternoon. Not that I didn't care about here. No, Trump, the lockdowns. All the, and the people there. Yeah, it, it's insane. Um, no, it's pretty cool, though. Everything was open. Uh, you know, the thousands of people crammed into that building. Everybody on the news said it's a super spreader event, so hopefully nobody gets COVID and it sticks it in their eye. Um, I mean, of, check uh, Mike Pence speaking. Did anyone? Did you guys see the new Borat movie that's being advertised on Amazon? No. Yeah. 
I only it's, saw I, the little I, I bit. Wanna, it's really you. You, you saw a little yeah, bit. I, I little saw Ragnarok? just the thing with um, Giuliani. Giuliani. Like, okay. Yeah, that was like three weeks ago or so. I don't know. Jason, you saw it or no? I saw the the clip that she's talking about with Giuliani. Uh, how they tried to spin it up into some debacle that it wasn't. I'm like I'm not a huge fan of Borat, but the first movie was good. This movie was like the equivalent of Clapter. It was that he went all political, trying to mock the other side, and it just wasn't. It just wasn't funny. Like I mean, parts of it were funny. They don't get that. Like it wasn't as funny at all. No, they don't get that. You can't politicize stuff like that so nakedly. It just it falls flat. It doesn't work. It really doesn't work, wokies. You got to cut it out. It doesn't work. Nobody wants your garbage. I I lost respect for. No, I, I lost respect for uh, Sasha Baron Cohen after I think it was the beginning of the year. He did some speech from the ADL where he was calling for censorship uh, online. First, I think he started talking about. about the tech companies doing the censorship. And then the same time, he started talking about the government having to do the censorship. And he's making exceptions for himself. He can do the, you know, borderline offensive type of comedy, but other people can't. And I, I just like I can't watch any stuff from him anymore. Yeah, that'll kill it right yeah. there. That'll I just want to say bye. I'm going to leave. Oh. I have people yeah. to feed oh. and you know, yeah, dinner time and all. Bounce so. too, actually. Merry Christmas to everybody. Bye, James. Thank you so much for stopping by. Yeah, bye, all. And, uh, yeah, thank you, guys. Have a good Merry Christmas. Bye. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Take care. Merry Christmas. Bye, y'all. Where'd my button go? Okay, bye, y'all. <laughs> You're stuck. <laughs> You're stuck. I'm stuck forever. Stuck in the cave. I did not watch Boris, well, but I heard it was bad. Yeah, I wouldn't. Good, I wasn't going to watch it, but my wife wanted to watch it, and I was like, "Oh, sure." Mm-hmm. I heard we, super woke. We put it on, but it was. It's the, but it sounds like it's the same thing that they always do, like with comedies. It recycles the same, like ah, anti-Trump jokes, but it's the same low-hanging fruit that they always do. So it's. Yeah, and you know, he was in Texas, and he, I think his goal was to make fun of the people in Texas, but they were all just so nice to him, and the stuff that he was doing was like he was trying to do these outrageous things, and we're supposed to be like. I think we're supposed to be laughing at the people, but the people are all just like interceding in a really nice way, trying to like set him on the a better path. <laughs> and, and like it's it's just it, the whole thing just falls. I mean, he's ridiculous. So there's definitely some stuff that you can laugh at there. But um, yeah, I was really disappointed. So whatever. Yeah. Um, Mr. Guy, let's just do a couple of super chats I missed before. Mr. Guy says the academic woke will shift and obfuscate. We know that. What are the future methods of throwing sand in our eyes, changing words or definitions? Oh, that would have been a good question for James. But we've already talked about they're going to change. They've been changing definitions. I think they'll continue to do that. I don't know, Gary, if you have anything beyond that. But changing definitions is they'll do both of those. But I think definitions are the the, the first and the preferred method. They just changed the definition of, um, what was it, herd immunity. <clears throat> the World Health Organization changed it uh, to something that requires like a massive amount of vaccinations. I thought, I wondered if they were doing that because I, I that heard something definition? about it. Yeah. You can't the only way to change is vaccine. That's. Herd immunity actually doesn't even. 
has nothing it has no relation to vaccination. Right. I mean, it's the related, but like by definite definitionally, vaccine isn't part of the herd immunity definition. Because there was a, I saw a bunch of discussions today. They're talking about people who have had COVID still have to get vaccinated. Like oh, the not gonna do anything. that's why they need to change the definition because having that's COVID doesn't change, count. Yeah. yeah. The new strains all the time, right? So. Yeah, hey, we talked I just, about that the other day. There's a million of those. I just wanted to jump in because somebody asked with a super chat if Anthony ever plays Louisiana and does he cover Johnny Cash? He does cover Johnny Cash. I believe he's played Louisiana. Um, but since he was so kind as to play a song for us, I just put his link, his YouTube link in the chat. If you guys want to follow him or go to his, his website is Anthony Garcia music. That's it. That's the only plug I'm doing. I'll I'll do another (laughs) plug for him. I've watched a bunch of his videos. He's great. When, when the first time I saw him, I think you shared a link. Um, yeah, I recommend it. I I listened to one of his, his albums, listen to his last album. Oh, thanks. Great. Sure. And yeah. I, I want to say something um, yeah. why everybody's here. There was a whole bunch of chat, stuff in chat while he was playing about being out of tune or the sound or anything. That's Zoom. So I just want to tell everybody that's the Zoom codec trying to turn his guitar into speech. It, it You could tell him it kind of has a flanger sound. And I bet mine sounded like too. I know to do it, but I forgot. You can turn on uh, original sound, it's called. So if he ever plays yeah. guitar again. Tell him to turn on the original sound setting. The original sound. Doesn't try to convert. Yeah, it's in the upper left-hand corner. If you're on Zoom, there's a thing. Yeah. Oh. We have to even do it for our credits, or the, even the credit music doesn't work. Zoom, Zoom is pretty <laughs> aggressive on their codec. That's as soon as he started. I was like, oh, I bet mine sounded like that too because I forgot. But it on that song with the lead he was doing, I thought it kind of worked. It's like a weird flanger phase shift thing going yeah. on. It was just, it was kind of spooky. Really good. I liked it in the end. Flanger. Somebody said that in chat. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was um, Flanger. Cool. So when are we playing the uh drinking games? I'm drinking coffee. And I didn't hot know chocolate. We were games. <laughs> I'm kidding. Let's put on can we have a musical another musical interlude with an old song, an old Christmas song? Yeah, I think I can put this on actually. I think I can just pipe the music through here. So hold on. I think Lady Della is also asking about doing musical interludes during Kafefi break too. <laughs> so <laughs> when, when Carrie runs off for a while. <laughs> a little intermission. That's how I get caught up on super chats. We can't do that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, let's see if this works. Yeah, Let me know. Somebody else. This is me. Louis Prima from 1936. Right? Yeah, this is a 1936 song. This song is called What Will Santa Claus Say When He Finds Everybody Swinging? I thought it was appropriate. Are there words? Yes. Say 
day when he finds everybody swinging. What will Santa Claus say when he hears us sing, sing, singing? Down the chimney he will come with his great big smile. And he'll find that even the kiddies are swinging in a later style. Oh, what is Santa bringing? Oh, I wonder whether he'll be swinging everywhere in the land. All the people will be singing. Now what is Santa Claus gonna say when he finds everybody swinging? Oh, what will Santa Claus say when he finds everybody swinging? What will Santa Claus say when he hears us sing, sing, singing? Down the chimney, he will come, he will come. What is Santa bringing? Oh, I wonder whether he'll be swinging everywhere in the land. All the people will be singing. La la di da. What is Santa Claus gonna say when he finds everybody singing? We don't have to listen to the whole thing if you don't want to, but it's nice, isn't it? It's good. We can put it in the background. We can just turn it down. Just put it in the background. There we go. Is that quieter? Yeah, that's quieter. Isn't that a great song? There's all these old Christmas songs from... I like the... Louis Prima generally, so yes, I think yeah. that's a good song. Yeah. Like the 20s, 30s, 40s. And a lot of them don't get played in, you know, the Christmas mall rotation. And then when you hear them, you're like, I wonder why not? Because this is so much better <laughs> than a lot of the crap they feed us every year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's fun. It's fun music. Happy music. Yeah. It is. Roaring yep. 20s, you know, very happy. I, say, I, I just want everybody to know I, I switched to a more appropriate hat for this. Oh. Nice. I like it. <laughs> oh, chat liked it. I'm looking at chat. Oh, chat. <laughs> they they like, I love yeah, flapper music. Yeah. People are still yeah, I was in trying chat. to remember this the name. Flapper. Oh, flapper music. Yeah. <laughs> I Cab, also. Cab Calloway. I also really like um, the 50s. You know, all the rockabilly the uh doo-wop kind of christmas music and there's a lot of mm. those songs that are really good um i'm gonna send you another one carter but you can just put these on in the background we don't have to like pause the show and right. listen to them as i send them to All you right. um put them on in the background then yeah let me see i'm gonna pick a good one i'm really glad you could join us mystery chris Um, thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. Mystery Chris is an What's artist. Cool? I don't know if you guys can I say that? Am I allowed? I said it. Too late now. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> His full name and address is wait, can I say that? My social security number is. <laughs> He's a very good artist. Um he does these I would say they're like museum quality installations. It's not what it's not what you would think of when, at least I would think of when somebody says, you know, so and so is an artist. 
it's the kind of thing that should really be hanging <clears throat> in a museum. He did one about um, the World's Fair. Which one was that one, Chris? Yeah, there's a 1939 New York's World's Fair. So I just yeah. basically got a bunch of uh, items from the World's Fair and just made a kind of display for it. And uh, that, that's next to my War II display. I, I got some, I bought some letters from soldiers who wrote home during World War II to their families. And uh, it's pretty, pretty touching letters. They obviously don't go into detail about gory stuff and stuff, but you could tell just how many of them just wanted to be home. It's just miserable conditions, but they didn't want to let on just how bad it was. So. And then you're also working on one that, um, I'm trying to think of the other one. Didn't you do one about communism? No, I have a little one. Uh, yeah, um, in case the authorities or anybody wants to <laughs> Yes, I, I do have uh, Soviet Union uh, items in my home. Not that I endorse that kind of thing, but yeah. Uh, yeah so I, I, go ahead. Well, for these installations, he buys actual items online and then incorporates them into these big expansive pieces. So uh, one of them that you're working on now required you to buy a Nazi helmet, didn't it? So you're already on a list somewhere. Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely on <laughs> I'm just trying to collect items from the most horrible regimes in history. Uh, no, but I, I, yeah, I did buy a, uh, a German helmet from World War II. Uh, it was pretty cool. I also bought a a wheel from the Model T Ford, the original Model T Ford. So I'm going to do a display on that as well. Uh, I would love for you, maybe one day, I know that you have uh, concerns about being anonymous and stuff on Unsafe Space, but one day I would love to, for you to show people your artwork if you ever get comfortable enough. Because I think it's. Yeah, I might show them. I, I, I do a lot it. of digital stuff as well. I do uh, a lot of uh, sci fi stuff. Shocking. I'm a nerd. But uh, yeah, I do a lot of digital paintings. I was going to ask you what's going on in the sci-fi world right now that that people should be watching or paying attention to. Ay, ay, ay. In terms of good or bad. <laughs> good stuff. Is there anything good going on? Uh, the Expanse is good. I haven't watched all the Expanse, um, but that is uh, quite good. Uh, Orville, I think, is the best, we, best Star Trek we have at the moment, considering how awful... Uh, actual star trek is uh so those are probably the top i'd say at the moment okay. were we just talking about the expanse earlier we were earlier i didn't know if it was a reboot or if it was the 2015 one because amazon's been advertising it so i assumed it was new but i, I guess it's not i guess it's from 2015 yeah right? yeah this one's yeah it hasn't been rebooted i think it's in the sixth season so might be last okay uh, there's supposed to be i know carrie uh you and i we spoke about Battlestar galactica on our uh pop culture podcast but they're actually rebooting uh Battlestar Galactica again what again yeah again oh, oh I'm worried about this one well the first reboot was really good I really enjoyed it me too yeah, I loved the first one then I went yeah. back and watched the first one Oh, the original? No. And oh my god, I couldn't make it through like three episodes. <laughs> it, was so it has its charm. It, it's a it's a knockoff of Star Wars, but I still like it. And I think they're supposed in the reboot, I think it's supposed to be closer to that version rather than the uh, reboot, the Ronald Moore version. So a little bit lighthearted. Yeah, lighthearted. I doubt it's going to stay lighthearted, but we'll see. 
Carrie, we have a request to play I'll Be Home for Christmas. If you find a royalty-free version of it somewhere, I'll put it on. But uh, oh. if not, I'm going to avoid putting it on. I've been putting on music in the background as Carrie sends it to me. So, okay. Let me see if I can find a royalty-free. Yeah, don't spoil us for Expanse, anyone. No spoilers. Because I want to watch The Expanse now. Because Keith the Hack Guy said he liked it. And now Mystery Chris likes it. So, uh, Well, I watched a at. couple episodes of it. And it didn't Did grab like me. It? Um, oh, it didn't grab you. No, it didn't. It didn't grab me. Um, <clears throat> the drama between what was it, the Martian miners, and the Earth Force just didn't. No. Didn't do it. It wasn't. Yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of picky when it comes to sci-fi. I think on our call earlier today, I I was saying why I hadn't watched The Expanse because I think the trailers suck for it so the trailers have kept me from watching it but maybe they're just bad trailers so it intrigued me enough i watched and chris i watched i think the whole first season when it came out or two years ago um i I liked it i told carter just curious if you had the same impression that it's in a way it's the opposite of like deep space nine the stuff that takes place in the belters Mm -hmm. space station because it's all like gritty and stuff's broken and there's bombs around and yeah it's like it's, real it's, an outpost would be like definitely it's, it's definitely much more harder science science fiction it's more closely aligned to actual like physics and what space travel would be like and so uh, i appreciate that aspect of it i yeah, like the, the dirtier messier stuff rather than the kind of hermetically sealed star trek utopia crap. everything's, everything's <laughs> you're calling sterile boiled sterile Carter called uh, Firefly. You call, we're calling it messier, dirtier, and messier. Yeah, that's one of the too. things I loved about Fireflies. It's just kind of messy. Uh, in fact, You'd that like was one of the things monkeys. that. Yeah, I like Twelve Monkeys, and that's one of the 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 other thing that I think makes. This is why I actually preferred Star Wars. I mean, not just rewind and pretend where I'm only talking about the very first three movies, four, five, and six. Uh, <laughs> Like the, the, one of the reasons I thought Star Wars was better than Star Trek always was because Star Wars was also messier. It was like, you know, not this perfect little utopia where we go out and fight blue aliens and, or you know, try and teach yeah, Star moral Trek, lessons. You can tell in the original monsters. Star Trek, everything's in a studio. Everything's in like a perfect new studio. Every new scene is brand new. Everything's brand new. And the expanse, yeah. they're I mean, like mining like asteroids. Okay. Yeah. So can we can we as unsafe space write a sci-fi show or movie using the Vatican modern art <laughs> images or, or like using That's those? A... <laughs> thinking about order. I think uh, we could do it. It would yeah, be low budget. <laughs> create our own myth. <laughs> I was also trying to think of stuff for the uh, Evergreen, the musical. I really like, because I remember Carrie called George Bridges, you said George Bridges uh, is a toad. And I really yes. want that to be a song. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe he should actually be a toad in the musical. Just like, <laughs> just, yeah. remember, remember Frog and Toad, the books? Yes. You like Toad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those were great books. Yeah. Okay. Someone so, asked if we watched Game of Thrones. I have not watched Game of Thrones, but no. I think Carrie did, right? No. Yeah, I did, and I oh, really I enjoyed I it. Not. You didn't. You enjoyed, enjoyed it. it. Yeah, it's a good show. It's it's 
you have to get past the first couple episodes, which, uh, oh, you know, I, a problem. lot of, yeah, a lot of people I talked to who didn't enjoy it stopped after the first one or two. I did and seven I, and stuff. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> I stuck with it. I got I got into it um, a few episodes in, and then uh, I thought it was great writing, and I actually really liked the ending. I, I know a lot of woke people were upset with the ending, but I really liked it. I thought it was somewhat realistic about human behavior. Um, you know, you have this character who, throughout the series, you think is is going to be this great liberator and savior of the people and in the end she there's a whole scene where she's arguing with another character about um how they basically get to be the determiners of of what's good and what's evil we get to decide and she burns down a whole city and kills innocent people in the name of something good right she becomes that a murderer and i think i think that's I might like that. Yeah, Sounds there's a good. lot of there's a lot of analogy there for obviously historically with these ideologies that we talk about a lot where where there's this mass tragedy and the mass evil uh, perpetrated on humans in the name of good, right? Some top some great liberator, some great a person with, you know, they're doing this for the public good and it ends up you know uh, becoming you know, uh, just a, just a, I don't know, just a vehicle for atrocity. And I think, yeah. that, I think the show so, really illustrated that well. Is it possible that people didn't like the ending because it held up a mirror to themselves? Exactly. Exactly, Chris. Right. <laughs> I think it did in much the way I read a really great review of the Joker movie. And it was talking about how um, the, the recent Joker movie, Joaquin Phoenix. I liked how, it. Um, yeah, I liked it. And a lot of the media didn't like it. I don't know if you saw all these opinion pieces. Everyone hated uh, it. Yeah. They hated it. Yeah. yeah I liked it. Uh, Jeff, I think Jeff Yang did one. They All these people were doing these pieces saying that it's about, you know, white male privilege and toxic masculinity. And they really hated the film. And, and then I read an op-ed that I thought made some great points saying, you know, the media hates this film because it's holding up a mirror to them. It's showing them what's wrong with their, with themselves. And yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, yeah. I, I think I'm always into <laughs> characters that have, have this, I don't know, the psych, psychopath <laughs> kind of things. Though, Cause I really like uh, clockwork orange too. What's his name? Alex. I didn't so. like that one. Oh, I haven't seen it in years, but I, I don't know. There's, there's something about it where I'm just like, yeah, I like these types of characters. Hmm. Somebody says, Azar says, no, it was not what Daenerys did. Uh, it, it was that it was utterly out of character for her. And Hamphis said, no, I don't think it was out of character at all. I think you're putting this character on a pedestal and thinking that, mm-hmm. you know, you know that Alec- Alexander Solzhenitsyn quote about how um, the line dividing good and evil runs down the heart of every man. And I think I think one of the ways in which we become susceptible to evil ideology is when we think that we're not capable of evil. And I think sometimes we do that with characters too. I think a lot of people did that with her. Uh, you know, she's this good guy character. So then to see her engage in something evil because she, she believes in the good, so-called good ends, like the means justifying the ends, People got upset and said, this isn't in her character. Well, of course she's capable of evil. 
I don't know. I thought it was. Well, did she justify her behavior before yes. that with, with uh, sort of a public good kind of argument? Yes, she justified it with a public oh. good argument. Yes. Well, then, then it's totally in character. So yeah. it is worth watching you go the down whole that path. Series? You can kill people in cities. It's fine. What? Huh? It's worth watching the show, then, Carrie, and whoever else has watched. I think this it then. is worth watching the show, and also. I think there's good character development and there's uh, interesting storylines and, you know, uh, who's the the little person actor, the guy that plays Tyrion. Peter you Dinklage. Know, oh, yeah. Dinklage. Peter Dinklage. Yes. Thank you, Mr. Chris. He is excellent. He has some of the best lines in the series, you know, and there's, I think, I just think there's a lot of interesting characters. I had, I had some problems with the ending as well, but not about Daenerys. I really liked that part of the ending. My problems were with... My problem had more to do with with having um, what's her name Arya whatever uh, kill the <laughs> kill the bad guy. It, it was sort of a Mary. Did you watch it, Chris? Mystery, Chris? No. Oh, sorry. Oh, you didn't watch it. What about you? No, I didn't. Okay, I would be curious if you watched it. If you if you thought they kind of made her into a Mary Sue at the end or not. I kind of felt that they did. Hmm. I think what deterred me from watching it, well, one, I have trouble sitting through like 60 minutes at a time of something. So like movies, I always like pause and and get back to you. But for it, I think, is it, it seemed like it blended like the, the mainstream kind of drama with like nerdiness, because that's how I got like everyone, because I knew people who weren't really into fantasy and, and nerdy stuff, but really liked it for the drama itself and I, I'm not sure if that might have kind of deterred me where I was like I don't know if this is going to be like too, it was too heavy on just like the character drama I think I like more fantasy in it and it was like too much drama but I'm oh. not sure if that was just no if you stay in it they'll be you'll you'll more. get your fantasy tickled yeah <laughs> I don't know the thing that kept me away from it maybe this is a flaw in my own personality but I think it was just uh too many normies were like it's the best thing ever and that's what like, that's right, what i mean yeah right. yeah we're okay. just like a lot of regular people who are I, like well <laughs> okay but you can't always assume that it, that just because something because you know what i did that with lost and i didn't watch it when it first came out because i thought everybody loves this it can't be that great you know lowest common denominator kind of thing that's fair and i waited a couple years yeah. and then i watched it and i loved it I was surprised, and and that taught me. Did you watch the whole thing though, because the, that also just yes, went the ending downhill. was terrible. Like, oh. No, they the ending was great. No, they didn't what know you... where they were going with it. They just like, oh my gosh, yeah, the ending well, was perfect. That, no, I hated that. That is because no, the ending that they wanted to really have the writer. studio canned. The studio canned the. Oh, did they? Ending oh, they, they wanted canned to have. The ending uh, they wanted? Okay. The I... Island was supposed to be all. And they wouldn't let them build the volcano. Like even at the at the end of the last season, you mm -hmm. see, uh, <clears throat> like the the school setting is teaching about the volcano that they're on, but then that never comes to fruition oh, because I remember the studio that. said you can't build a volcano; it's going to be too expensive. Who cares? Well, about someone a in chat says it it, no. it separated from the source material at some point, and that's when it suffered. I feel that. Like I'm not. I don't know when that separation was, okay. but I totally got that vibe that like there was something there, and then they just like. They did too much yeah. coke and hired writers um, that were like, screw you. Okay, let me defend the ending. I look, I see all you unhappy people in chat. Let me just say this. I thought the <laughs> ending was perfect because 
I don't want I don't want all of the mystery of the island revealed when I watch it. Uh, I don't want all of every tiny thing explained. No, no, leaves things to the imagination. And I, and what I liked about the ending was it was sort of this beautiful. Um, it, there's a lot of different religions that have this idea of spirit groups that you travel with not Christianity, but other religions. And in school, I studied this one religion. I think it was the Akan religion. It's an African religion, but they basically believe that you travel in spirit groups and you reincarnate. And when you come back to earth, you're always in a, the, the people who are going to be most meaningful in your life are in your spirit group. And you've been in other lifetimes with them and you are here on earth to learn something in each lifetime. You're here to learn something. And so someone who might've been your father in a previous life might be your brother in a, this life or, or what have you. And you've kind of agreed in the, the place between lives to the lessons that you want that person to help teach you in this life, right? So there, this is this sort of uh, spiritual belief that some uh, people hold. And I thought that the ending was sort of uh, saying that to us. They, When they all died, their spirits waited to ascend into heaven. They waited in that church until everyone had passed so they could all ascend together. And it, it made me, it, to me, it reminded me of some of those types of spiritual beliefs that people hold I thought that was I had never seen anything like that on television before and it made me think of you know it kind of blew my mind a little bit about um I don't know if I actually saw the ending I'm I'm just saying I got tired of Lost after a few seasons because I was like this this is they don't know what they're doing anymore like they here's what I don't like I don't like when they lay out a plan and they're like where like there's some mystery here and there's a solution to it and we're going to introduce what it is and we're going to make you think that you're going to be able to figure it out and give you clues and then at some point they just gave up and they were like right. oh we can't figure it out either That's... Eh, let's just be mysterious and like and I was like all right I'm done I would I wouldn't mind point. if it left it open if it if it didn't seem like it was going to be solved eventually but it makes sense what Jason right. said, has said too right. that about uh about them not being able to do the ending that they wanted because it even if I, if it seemed like they had planned out to make it to this ending, that would be that would be okay. But it felt like they just went in a different direction than than they had intended to do it, and so that's what like it just felt weird. It felt like a disconnect, I guess. Okay, the only thing I didn't like was when uh, halfway through the series, I forget what season this was. It was maybe season three or four or something. They tried to introduce new characters and make you care about them, and there were three really awful characters <laughs> and Nikki and Paolo and then what's his name the guy Arts and the, who got blown up by the firecrackers the they actually <laughs> listened to the fans who were saying like quit trying to make us care about these new people <laughs> and they got rid of them <laughs> I was like uh, that was the only part I, I didn't that. like was being you know having to sit through that but until they were gone okay wait I random since we're talking <laughs> about random shows this is a super old one that only Gen Xers might even know, but and I don't even remember how it ended. But did anyone remember the show Nowhere Man? No. No? Not even Mystery Chris? Nope. <laughs> ah, it's a conspiracy theorist's like dream of a show. It's uh, I, I'll go find more information about it. Nowhere Man. I absolutely recommend. Checking out nowhere, nowhere, man. Yeah. All right. Well, while you're looking that up, I actually wanted to bring, um, circle back a little bit to the the Game of Thrones <clears throat> discussion, and I think, 
I've never seen Game of Thrones, but something that seems really parallel to that is uh, The 100, if you've ever seen that. Um, <clears throat> and that show, it was, a, it was a CW show, and it was set in a uh, s- slightly futuristic setting where uh, mankind has survived a nuclear holocaust, right? And uh, <clears throat> they did that by uh, at least in part by forming factions on on the ground uh, that they were all warring tribes and everything. And I think what <clears throat> um, it, the show was very well done. But one thing I've noticed is that the left has a has a tendency to fall into sort of a deification of its heroes. Um, so your lady there in Game of Thrones, I think, fell sort of victim to this, uh, to this mentality with the Twitter mom. And the parallel that I'm going to draw is there was a character that was a leader of one of the, of sort of the, uh, the vestigial remains of the United States there on the ground. And it, she was the, uh, God, what was she? the commander and she controlled all the different tribes and she was a very good fighter and the, the actress played her really well but then she uh she unexpectedly died at the end of i don't i don't remember what season and <clears throat> right well it's only like halfway through you'll be fine um <clears throat> But there was actually a major backlash because this this character happened to be uh, happened to be in the LGBT group. Uh, she was uh, lesbian, and they did it well, right? It was written such that it was it was an aspect of her character, not the entire character, right? Uh, which is like really all anybody wants. It's just not have it shoved down your throat. The the hashtag bury your gaze started trending and the creators got overwhelmed, absolutely slammed with hate mail. Like, how could you do this to us? How could you, uh, how could you, uh, throw away such a good character? Why, why would you kill this one character? And I'm sitting there thinking, well, wait a second. This was on a show with a nuclear Holocaust. That's 7 billion people who had died off screen and then the show itself is brutal there are hundreds of deaths on screen before then but this one this one single death absolutely broke everything and i think your uh <clears throat> when the when the twitter mob finds something even slightly dissatisfying they they fall into this uh they're confronted with reality essentially and it between the the deification and realizing that well people can die that it, it just sort of it sort of breaks them and i and that was yeah. probably really rambling <laughs> no but i hear what you're saying yeah i think it's the same as they they de- some people deified that character and they mm-hmm. couldn't stand the fact that she became you know that she did something evil cuz they viewed her as a good guy and though she tried to justify her actions, they, they couldn't justify them. The audience couldn't. Right. Yeah. So that's that's interesting. No, I haven't seen The 100. I've heard about it. There's a lot of shows I've heard of that I, I, I've wanted to watch at one time or another and haven't gotten around to. I've actually um, really liked The 100. Um, and despite all the 
you know, off off show drama. Uh, it was actually really good. Cool. Well, I since we're speaking it, of back. shows Sorry, now, I, I just wanted to show you, and also because I know C. Jones is in the chat and he'll appreciate this. Over a year ago, Mystery Chris gave me this um, coloring book for my birthday. Didn't you give me this? Yep. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And and I've been coloring it dutifully for a year. <laughs> and, you know, That's I just beautiful. wanted you to see my progress, how it's coming along, Mr. Chris. This show, I don't think anybody. I'm very proud argue. of you, Carrie. Thank you. I don't think anyone could argue with uh, this being a great show <laughs> with lots of moral lessons. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Okay. That's all. Showing I was going to text you the other night. I didn't realize there was a spinoff from the Golden Girls called the Golden Palace. I the Golden think, Palace. Or... It was oh. terrible. It was yeah. terrible. It was terrible. <laughs> Who was no. in that? Uh, Everyone said B. Arthur, right? Yeah. And then uh. they also had uh, my old client, Margaret Cho, had a had a guest starring role in one of oh, them. Right, right. They had weird gut or interesting guest stars they added, but it was not a good spinoff. I'll answer put it that way. <laughs> yeah. There's what if they rebooted the Golden Girls? Would you be in favor of that? I would not be in favor of that. I don't like it when they desecrate classics. What if uh, Betty White came there's no back? There's no reason though. to reboot a, dry, a sitcom like that, though, because it's just uh, it the humor is related to the situation, and it wouldn't work. And like it things work. are different now, and yeah, yeah, it would yeah. be different. They you would could reboot it. a Battlestar Galactica because it's so dis divorced from reality anyway that you can reboot yeah. it, right? Yeah. It wouldn't matter. Yeah. There's a lot of those old shows that they just, if they did them now, they would necessarily have to make them woke because that's the culture we live in. Didn't they redo and, right. Buffy? Did that come out? They were going to redo Buffy. I think it's, yeah, I they, think they, they're, they, they're, yeah, there's some developments. I'm not sure. Is it Joss oh, again or is it someone else? I don't know if he's involved. He's kind of disappeared a little bit. I don't know if it's because of his Me Too stuff, his but problems. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't like him personally, but there's, he his ability to have kind of the the witty interactions between characters is something that like that's the only reason to watch Buffy for me. Like I didn't care about the monsters. It was the it was the the witty dialogue and kind of the interesting yeah. characters and their relationships. Uh, so that I, I, I think it'd be dangerous to redo Buffy. Um, well, they definitely are making it woke, and they were doing some sort of minority of girl to be has to be woke. And character. Golden Girl, Golden Girls wouldn't be as much fun if one of the characters was transgender. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say maybe Buffy would be like the Slayer is trans. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> girl power. Would they, would they just call the show the Golden Them They Golden Them They? Golden. The golden they, <laughs> the golden zers, <laughs> the golden. <laughs> I want uh, Mystery Chris to recommend a few more esoteric films and shows for us. Before yeah, we... but good ones. Good no, ones. no, give me some horror bad ones. Oh, bad ones. Uh, Rapping. Uh, have you ever seen Break Into Electric Boogaloo? then you know the plot of rapping is <laughs> basically this greedy real estate developer rapping. buys up some property in inner city pittsburgh and Ooh. the residents who are very poor decide to fight back but they fight back with rap with rap 
Yeah, uh-huh. stars <laughs> on Mario Van Peebles and um, what's his name? Kadeem Hardison from A Different World. I actually uh, was showing it to a friend of mine once. Uh, she's an actress in, L- in LA. She n- knows Kadeem Hardison. So she texted him. He goes, hey, I'm watching uh, your movie Rappin'. And he texts back, goes, no, stop. Don't watch it. Turn it off. <laughs> 1985. Oh, yeah. Oh, Eric uh, LaSalle's also in it, too. So you might have been the person who told me, I can't remember, was it you, Chris, who told me about the show Puchinski? I think I showed you the trailer of that with the, the dog. I think so. Okay, this is on YouTube, guys. This is a failed pilot, but they actually <clears throat> produced this. And I can't remember, was it for NBC or ABC? Yeah, I can't remember. Uh, it's called Puchinski. And you can watch the pilot. And it's it's a buddy cop TV show except one of the cops dies and is reincarnated as a dog. Ah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and it's one of the worst things I've ever seen. Yeah. Is <laughs> it Pachinski? It's glorious. Yes. Pachinski, okay. The, the Apple from 1980 is a, also a bad movie, the science fiction musical comedy. So if you guys want to... Check oh, out that. Heard of the it was, in, I think, initially yeah. called Star Rock. So because there's just the mention of the apple at the end, because it's like an allegory of something later on. But yeah, it's bad if you want to waste, <laughs> you know, 90 minutes of your life there. There's always Does Leonard, else? Leonard Nimoy's solo album. Yeah. <laughs> Leonard Nimoy did recorded a solo album. Bilbo, Bilbo. <laughs> oh no, you've heard it. Huh? <laughs> I love so that. Has anyone, Bucky does anyone else waste time? Oh, that's Which the, one? I was saying both he and Shatner had records. I oh, think I it's hilarious. Both Captain Kirk and Spock. Which one's worse? I'll duel one another. <laughs> which one's which one's the worst one? <laughs> uh, uh, I'm a, I'll, I'll picture Nimoy. for the sh- <laughs> I'll picture Shatner's being the, his character in um, Pretty Woman, doing an album. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Shatner had a character in Pretty Woman? Yeah, you know the Pretty Woman, the, the FBI agent? And and Oh, the Pretty he, Woman, not Pretty Woman with Julia The Roberts. Pretty Woman. Yeah, yeah, no, Pretty Woman yeah. with Julia William Roberts. William Shatner Basically played the Was this the, uh, what was the Miss Congeniality, was it? Oh, Miss Congeniality, I'm sorry, yes. He's, oh, okay. Thanks for the fact check. With Sandra Bullock. <laughs> yeah. Sandra Bullock. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm mixing up my... I uh, mix those two up, too. Yes, I've seen neither. Yes. Sandra Bullock is the FBI agent, and William yeah. Shatner, who's James T. Kirk, he's like is the, the pageant only, host dude, right? He's the pageant. He's this pudgy, old, yeah. incompetent, blubbering fool of a guy, <laughs> and I just can't watch it because I look at him and I want him to be James T. Kirk. <laughs> yeah. it doesn't work for me, even though I love the movie. They had to. They should have picked somebody different. So when you said he has an album, that's what I thought of. It's that guy doing an album. <laughs> That's, one of the, that's the feeling I get with uh, the Fonzie showing up on Arrested Development as that lawyer. Yeah. It's like, oh. ow, ow. He does, he does dad. He was just in a Christmas movie I watched, too, the other day. Um, I forget what it was called, but he was the dad on there. He's the dad in the movie Holes. He's he's a great old man. Yeah. Henry Winkler, right? Yeah. Yeah. Henry yeah. He's a good actor. I've seen him he can pull off the yeah. Fonz thing too, but the Fonz isn't him. He's just acting. Yeah. Does My favorite Fonzie Shatner? line. 
a little a little intermittent frivolity. My favorite Fonzie line is when he lends Richie his motorcycle because Richie has to get somewhere, and Fonzie says, "Remember, never ever smile." And Richie says, "Oh, that's because you want to look cool." And he goes, "No, you get bugs in your bugs teeth. in your teeth." <laughs> intermittent frivolity from the Fonz. There you go. <laughs> Hey, I'm going to read a couple of chats. These are not super chats, but uh, Uzzer, I guess I've been saying it wrong. Uzzer says, it's Uzzer? Have, you, have you seen Lovecraft Country? No, I have not. I've seen it. That it, I mean, I've seen that it is a thing, but I haven't watched it yet. And it, is it good? I like I like HP Lovecraft. Um, let's see. Somebody else, Lutra says, John Wayne movies are edifying. John Wayne has run afoul of the woke mob mm-hmm. recently. I'm not really sure why What'd I haven't followed that. Could it be because he's masculine? Uh, I'm not really yeah, sure. I need to read more about he, that. He I just some... know. There's an interview. and uh, fans. <laughs> Maybe he could appease them by, he could play a gay character and kiss another man in a movie. <laughs> what? What is it, Mystery Chris? Uh, he did an interview. I don't know what year it was, but he was talking about uh, it's a view on like race relationships and and blacks and uh, kind of politically very quite politically incorrect <laughs> by today's standards. So I think it's just okay. the the case of people going back trying to find things to be offended by. So I mean, you gotta put things in context. They did that to Sean Connery uh, upon his death. They they dragged out some old interviews and complained about some stuff right. he said that was yeah. Uh, somebody else says, have they done any super chats yet? I had to leave for 45 minutes. Yeah, we had some at the beginning that we read out. And if we missed yours, I apologize. We're doing Zoom tonight, so we couldn't uh, put them on the screen like we usually do. We did miss a couple. And I'm up. I like I I had them queued and then like they got they got moved and I can't scroll back far enough. So I apologize. But we did miss a couple super chats. Oh, well. I don't know, Carrie, this is like three hours. This is a three hour. Yeah. Sure. Can we? Can we? Should we like? <laughs> Let's wrap it up. Wrap it up soon. Wrap yeah. You guys. Yeah. I'm glad we undersold it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, but James Lindsay showed up. Yeah, that was yeah. that was freaking Star awesome. Power. I did not. James I did Lindsay. not know Anne Marie and uh, and Little Ragamuffin and, and Little Mr. Ragamuffin. Chris. So Mr. yeah. Chris. And well, and Mr. Chris still he's still here. Yeah. So um, I have to say. Yeah. Mr. Chris, I like uh, Mystery Chris and Mr. Chris. I like the way that you snazzed up your art artsy uh, picture there. I don't know if the, I don't know if it shows up on YouTube. I don't think it does. Yeah, actually. I don't think it shows on YouTube for some reason. I know it's weird. You guys can see it, but I don't think you do YouTube. Uh, I think people. Can wait, see it. it doesn't show on YouTube. No, there's yeah, some setting where if you're not on video, it doesn't show up. I noticed this first in book club. Yeah. Anybody that had yeah. a picture up instead of video, it they don't show up on the group zoom on youtube really so yeah. then you don't know who's talking yeah i'm i'm That's doing weird. a test here no i noticed that before i'm doing a test right now we'll wait for the delay but i just turned my video off yeah that's not oh. going to show up yeah it, it's going to take sucks. a while for youtube to cut yeah. it off right yeah there's a there's a setting that says hide non-video participants yep, and i don't have it set so there uh-huh. i just i just went off on the youtube feed yeah i wonder if yeah. you could uh, takes about 30 if seconds. you if you pinned mm. Carter, if you pinned Mystery Chris, would it show? I don't know. I'll I'll spotlight him right now. 
Mm-hmm. We'll just test this out, guys. Since I mean, this has been a lukewarm holiday special. Oh, actually, it doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't let me pin him. Oh, uh, okay, interesting. Pin video is not an option. So, did you turn off yeah. the setting? Yeah, the setting that shuts off um, the one you just read. I forgot the name. It wasn't well, on. Yeah. Well, we can figure yeah. it out later. Thank you guys so much for sticking with us, hanging out yeah. on this very yeah. informal christmas night we have a couple of uh we have a couple of videos that we're going to be putting out over the break and uh one on christmas day yeah during covfefe break time there will yep. be a video out we get to talk to santa so yes that will be out. we interviewed santa uh, and uh i don't that one i'm not going to undersell carter because it's santa <laughs> yeah but you're not getting any nerf guns so for christmas cute. Yeah, I'm not no, getting. We're not getting Nerf guns, though. I love that interview. Can I tell you something I didn't mention in that interview with him, just because it's funny, but it was kind of, I don't know, I didn't want to make him answer for this. I wrote Santa two letters, two years, uh, two years in a row. I wrote him a letter each year, and I left it with cookies, you know, and it had a lot of one of the it had a lot of questions like, how old are you? What year were you born? All this. I was because I was trying to figure out if he was real, and. Right. Uh, the first year he answered me in very block handwriting, like an engineer, um, much, much like my dad's handwriting. And he said, uh, I am 2000 years old, plus or minus, <laughs> which <laughs> was like, right. hmm, very neat handwriting. The next year I wrote him a letter and in it, I just thanked him. Cause now I believe she was real after he'd answered. I, like, I just thanked him for everything and told him, I hope he and Miss Claus had a good year. And then I said, Hey, I forgot to ask you for something this year if you have an extra teddy ruxpin in your bag i would love it because that was the popular gift that year and oh, i forgot um, about the teddy ruxpin yeah okay yeah and so santa wrote back in cursive handwriting and said sorry be your better girl next year what a jerk no i didn't say that part to santa because i didn't want him to have to answer for being a, a jerk <laughs> <laughs> what a jerk! <laughs> and the handwriting that would have been a little bit awkward for him to answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. great. Yeah. Anyway, see, you got that mall Santa. Shortly, yeah. Well, shortly thereafter, I realized that Santa. I was like, oh, the second year he wrote in cursive like my mother. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, uh, that's my Santa story. Okay. Anybody else have a closing Santa story? Santa story? How about an intermittent frivolity Santa story? When I was like, I'm the oldest of four. I was like 12th or 12th, 12 or 13. And my mom made us all go to the mall to take our picture with Santa in our Christmas pajamas. Wow. That's a little too old to to have mom make you do that. Yeah. Oh, you know what I meant to do? Go ahead. What? I just realized I meant to explain to people, not that anyone cares too much, but uh, I meant to explain to people that I actually, it was like, I think it was almost 20 years ago. Beverly, do you remember the the date on the website stuff that I said? 2005? Yeah, no, but I think it started in 2001 or 2000. Oh, the one that you sent me. Yeah, it was 2005. I, uh, being an atheist, I decided to celebrate, I started to celebrate capitalism non-ironically, and I 
I started uh-huh. celebrating Capitalism Day on the 25th, and it turned into this whole thing when my daughter got, was born. It turned into this whole thing about she has a whole myth around the robber baron visiting and coming and like you had there's like we have stockings with little pouches on them and you put you roll up a dollar and you put it in the pouch and the robber baron comes and takes the dollar out and fills your stocking and she's decided he lives on mars so if you want to have your own like myth she knows it's all a myth but uh i don't know we've we really enjoyed celebrating capitalism day and having a whole myth verse out of it and i had friends write uh Twas the night before Christmas knockoffs about the robber baron. And uh, yeah, so That's I say the, Merry Christmas to people now, but we still celebrate Capitalism Day. The graham so. cracker or, or the gingerbread houses that you built were amazing. 2004 is when the first one, as it says, but but you should tell people yeah, to go those, check they're, out those they're good, pictures. Right? They're so elaborate. I, I don't think anyone can see the pictures. I mean, they're online, but the URL. What's I mean? Send everybody to wildoil.com. Yeah. Wyattoil.com. They are at they are at Wyatt Oil online. Yeah, but they're hidden. They're at a hidden link. So uh, Cap- slash capitalism day. So they're not allowed to have slash them. Cap day. No, they can see them. I'm just saying, like they're hard to find. Oh, okay. And then uh, I can put I it can in chat. Them out real quick. Yeah. I uh, think I, I think I have but, uh, a link. I'll post it in chat. All right. But yeah, <laughs> no, make your own make your own things. And you know, my daughter when she got older, Saturn was her favorite planet, so she decided he was from Saturn, and. uh We've just started doing and oh and we made the links you're gonna see we made gingerbread towers, um, we made uh, like towers like super high, some of them were like three feet high. Sometimes we had shorter ones. We made gingerbread towers every year for a while. And Carter uh, looks so young. <laughs> I do look very young. Uh, yeah. I think you're like my age young. around there then, right? Because that'd be. Uh, it was well, no, I mean I was I was older than you are now. Yeah, yeah, then, it around. <laughs> right? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. So um, that's right. I, that's all. I just wanted to share it because that's my holiday. We talk all about Christmas, <laughs> but in this house, that's what we're celebrating. So, And Carter used to send out Chris- Capitalism Day cards. I remember getting I did. Them. Yeah, now I'm lame. But I used to send out – it's not that you're not on my list. I just don't – I'm just lazy now. But uh, – yeah, we used to send out capitalism. Day. I tried to get people to celebrate, and I had, you know, a handful, but it never caught on. I was in the objectivist community at the time, and all the objectivists just wanted to celebrate Christmas because they couldn't be bothered to do anything slightly. So, so for, any, for anybody curious, I posted the link to uh, wyattoil.com. Yeah, Carter day. took away my mod abilities yeah. again, too. So YouTube chat. Like, wait, you don't have mod abilities? Well, like, I think I have the Let's I think figure I have that some out. abilities, but yeah, yeah, I don't know. All right. Yeah, you're anyway, right, you're right, Carrie. But I said the link's yeah. there. And Thank it you is guys there. all. Okay. <laughs> Carrie. Uh, Carrie. I know just, once we Carrie say wrap it up, get... Carrie's like, she's out. Okay. We're wrapping. No, We're wrapping. I just don't want people to have to listen to our technical stuff. Okay. No, I was I was no, going to not point, everyone all is I upset was going about to, technical stuff as you are. I, but that's I was just going to point out to the people that read Book Club what Wyatt Oil is. Go right Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, it's an Atlas shrug. Wyatt Oil is. Uh, I remember when Dagny Taggart goes to the uh, Wyatt goes to the uh, Galt's Gulch, and Dagny Taggart shows up at his oil thing to try to get him back, and he's has a little note on the door. It says, "Take it. It's yours. I left it as it was." After he blew up his oil, and Carter owns the website WyattOil.com. <laughs> 
and the only thing that's been there for 20 years is is that sign but, but that's yeah someone said the the year links are broken the links are broken but you if you just put the slash cap day in the url and then put the year after it it'll work so you, that's why i'm saying it's not i didn't they're not up there for people to see i don't they're only there they were only there actually so i could show beverly the other day or whoever I was talking to. No. all right and carrie i'll put on a navy hat now you can like just finish it out we're i done. shared out cool thank you guys awesome. for tuning in We'll see you later. Have yes. a Merry Christmas. Bye. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Yeah. I shared out on Merry our Twitter Christmas, uh, one of one of the uh, Carter's Capitalism Day spreads. Oh, for excellent. those that are having trouble finding it. You can see how nerdy I, I was. <laughs> still. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, thank you, everyone, for watching. Um, and have a merry, a merry, happy. Merry, happy. Uh, merry happy. A merry happy. Merry happy. Merry Christmas. Happy. Thanks, everyone. Um, yep. So with that, I will play our famous end credits. <laughs> Thanks for watching. If you're new to the channel, we have a deep content library that includes interviews with everyone from Mike Cernovich to Megan Murphy. So go check it out. If you'd like to see more, please consider supporting the show by visiting unsafespace.com donate. You can find us on all the major social media platforms, at least for now. And you can find a community of like-minded individuals on our Unsafe Space chat on Telegram. See you there. Warning. This is an unsafe space. Dangerous ideas have been detected. The content of this production has not been authorized by the cathedral. Pay no attention to it. For your protection, the following co-conspirators have been unpersoned and marked for cancellation. Any association with these individuals will result in placement on the naughty list and a lump of coal. Here's a fun fact. Failing to leave cookies for Santa Claus is now considered a form of fat shaming. If you think about it, no one should be allowed to express opinions. But don't. Think about it, I mean. That's not your job. Thinking has been scientifically proven to be less efficient than compliance. Did you know that distributing presents using a magical sled is unlawful without a valid license and may be subject to taxation? Computer voice Curtis, never mind, that last line is fake news. Please disregard it and return to your safe space immediately. There will be cake. <laughs>